What's going on, everyone? This is Alex Jeteris here with another Knicks episode for the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast. But let me give you a quick rundown of what we're going to go through today. First, we're going to talk about R.J. Barrett placing third, well, getting the one third place vote and then placing eighth overall on the rookie ballots. We're going to talk about Mike Connolly and CP3. We're also going to discuss uh, Jeffrey Ballone's piece for the Daily Knicks on whether or not we should extend Mitch this season, next season, or his last deal of his contract. Then we got a guest here today with us, Chip Murphy, one of my colleagues from uh, Hoops Habit, to discuss free agency and go in-depth on some of these guys. And then, John, what do we got for et cetera today? What's up, Alex? For et cetera today, we're going to be talking about the worst possible thing that ever happened to us during this pandemic, and that is the Yankees losing 15 out of the last 20. And then, of course, we'll get into the NBA bubble and kind of what we, how we uh, think it's going to play out. Sounds good. All right, Ricey, you know what to do. going on everyone this is Alex Terrace here with the next episode for the Knicks Jets etc podcast and with me as always is my co-host my bud my pal the infamous John Malika what's going on bud what up Alex how's your day man yeah it's pretty good just another day in the office <laughs> cold fall up here summer's ending only good thing about that means we got football around the corner so I know this is not the Jets pod but <laughs> we got football back it's football eve dude it's football eve Ball fucking Eve. I cannot wait. <laughs> Guys, as you hear the chuckle in the background, we got a wonderful <laughs> Chip Murphy, one of my colleagues from Hoops Habit, a fellow Knicks beat writer for the site, and also the other co-host of the Hoops Addicts Anonymous podcast and the one of the two co-hosts of the Knicks State of Mind podcast. Chip, how are you doing today? Guys. I- I'm great. Thanks for having me on. And I can't believe I'm about to say this. I'm actually semi-excited about a Jets season as a fan for the first time in a while. Cautiously optimistic. I, I want to say that I'm very, I'm optimistic about Sam Darnold. Yeah, I know, like you said, I know not the Jets episode, but I do want to put that out there. Concerned about Adam Gase, obviously, but very optimistic about Sam Darnold. Not much about anything else because it's still the Jets, but as optimistic as I can be. Uh, Chip's clearly in my camp, John. Clearly in yes. my camp. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> do, play- do you see playoffs for us or not, Chip? Oh, my God. I, I don't know as much about football as you guys. I don't follow it like you guys do, but I just the, the pessimist in me says no, but I feel like so he- that if there, if, there was ever, if there was ever a year – like, I already bet the Patriots to win the Super Bowl because I just feel like everyone's gotten them out. But I just feel like if there was – yeah, if there was, ever, if there was ever a year, like, this is the year to do it. Like, the Patriots aren't going to be the Patriots for at least one year, right? And, like, the Bills are the Bills. They're going to be 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7, and seven, right? And the Dolphins are going to suck again. We know they're going to suck. And this is the year to do it, to finally win the division, but – I don't know. I just can't commit, but I can't commit to playoffs. I can't, I can't quite do it when I just don't trust that the coach isn't a complete idiot. I just can't do it. Oh, and he's not even like a, 
Yeah, he's not even like a, a lovable goof like Herm Edwards. He's just a hateable guy. Like, oh. I just can't stand the guy. Coming yeah. hot for John right now. John is <laughs> – John, how are you feeling? You okay? You need some water? No, I, I agree. Oh, you, are you an Adam Gase guy? Oh, are you an Adam Gase guy? I'm sorry. I'm not, no, I'm not an Adam Gase guy at all. I actually agree with everything you're saying. I just – Oh, okay. I just don't think that Adam Gase is getting a fair shot on the jet so oh, okay. just because like as we see it like the media is literally having a feud like the, like the daily news writers and and the co oh, well that guy the manesh guy the Man- manesh guy just yeah. is the frank i soul of the jets yeah he's yeah the, like you know yeah that gets like everything everything that gets like uh everything that happens gets convoluted the only real issue i have with gase um and we'll we'll, we'll get out of here because i know Al- alex yeah. <laughs> But the only real issue I have with Gaze is that he didn't set anyone up for the first six weeks. You know what I'm saying? Like, Sam Darnold got hurt, and then he just, like, hung out for six weeks. Like, yeah, yeah, we're good. We're good to go. We're just going to wait for Darnold. Like, that's my only issue. But I, I see I, – the only thing I just don't agree with is the playoffs. Like, I just think, I just think we're going to make the playoffs. But you're, you're riding in Alex's camp, and he's sure happy about that to add another pessimist to the yeah. – <laughs> I'm just hopping my butt. <laughs> but I know – I can't help it. <laughs> Oh man! So I know our listeners are probably killing themselves because they think uh, you know this is a Knicks <laughs> guy into a little bit of Jets. But hey, this is a podcast, all right? You're, you decide to tune in today. But <laughs> let's uh, our first topic of the day, Chip John uh, R.J. Barrett got only one vote for third place, and he placed eighth overall in the NBA Rookie of the Year. How do we? How do you guys feel about that, uh, Chip? Why don't you go first since you're our guest? I think RJ was a victim of his own expectations being the third pick. I mean, I, I always use the example of Kemba Walker about guys having slow starts. And if you look at Kemba, he had a really brutal rookie season. He shot like 36% from the field. And he played on a team that was literally the worst team of all time by winning percentage. They won seven games in that lottery season, way worse than RJ's even. Mm-hmm. but he was a top 10 pick. Kemba Walker finished 11th in rookie of the year voting as a rookie. Marshawn Brooks got more uh, rookie votes than he did. And I, that didn't really mean shit. So I'm not worried about RJ because of his rookie votes. Look, some of these awards voters should have their votes taken away <laughs> completely. Look at it. Look at that Andre Drummond, Hawan, Hassan Whiteside nonsense. Oh. Just complete garbage. Yeah. And then Harden and Luka getting first team all defense. Uh, I think Westbrook got second team all defense, and I think Dame did too. Mm-hmm. It's just craziness with some of these guys. It's like they're just trolling us with their all defense votes. They're just trolling everyone. But, yeah, I'm not worried about RJ at all. Uh, when you sent me the topic, I tried to see who RJ could move ahead of, and like, it's like the top four, I don't think there's any argument. You know, like Ja clearly deserved it, and then you have Kendrick Nunn. He was great all year. Zion, you know, he only played a limited amount of time, but his, even in his limited amount of time, he was so much better than RJ. Wasn't even close. And then you have Brandon Clark, who Brandon Clark was just better than RJ. Like, and Brandon Clark was on a playoff team. I mean, almost a playoff team. And uh, the, the argument starts when you get to fifth with Kobe White, right? And Kobe White, I think, is more or less on the level of RJ Barrett. I think you, with Eric Pascal... At six, you can at least make the argument that he was more efficient than RJ. Same thing with Terrence Davis. But with Kobe White, I mean, he's kind of 
equal to RJ Barrett. They're both very inefficient players. They both basically scored the same amount of points per game. I think they had the same, relatively the same usage percentage. I think you could have gone either way with those two, but uh, Terrence Davis is obviously ahead of RJ because, you know, he played on a great team. But, I, I mean, I, I just don't think it's that big a deal. I, I really don't. And, in a, you know, maybe like with Kemba Walker, maybe in like 10 years or whatever, we're just going to be like, who, whatever, who cares about this? But, yeah, I, I just don't think it's that big a deal. And, like, it's all about fit. You know, it's all about RJ's on a terrible team right now. If our, if look at Tyler Hero, Tyler Hero is to everyone's talking about how great Tyler Hero is because he's on a great team. He went 14th to the Heat. What if he had went 13th to the Hornets, the pick before that? No one would be talking about him right now. <laughs> so it's all about who drafts you. And RJ got picked by an unfortunate team. As much as I love my Knicks, RJ went into a, a brutal situation for now. Yeah, for now. So he's going to struggle at the beginning. When guys go to bad teams, they struggle at the beginning. It's what happens. So, yeah, I'm not worried about his rookie of the year voting at all because he, he was supposed to struggle. He was a teenager on a bad team. <laughs> he was supposed to have a bad year. For sure. Absolutely. I, t- I totally agree with that. John, how, how are you feeling about uh, the rookie uh, voting as well? Yeah, I'm a chip. It's, it's kind of irrelevant. And it, more so, I think he's kind of lucky to get that third place vote. I mean – yeah, I don't. I don't think he really deserved that. Uh, he did. He, he had a couple good games where we were excited about him. He had highlights. He definitely has potential. He's going to be fine. Um, NBA Rookie of the Year. I mean, Ja was insane. Um, ja Morant has been on a basketball tear now for like two and a half years now. Like just like nonstop. Like just on top of his game. Like at Murray State, I was watching those games. He, it was unbelievable because he he looked he looked like how he looks now, but in college. So it was just, um, he was just so considerably better than his peers. And I just like watching him in the Grizzlies, especially with the old Vancouver jerseys. And I think he's like now the second best Grizzly. Like, you know what I mean? Like he's already up there. So, uh, I mean, it, it was cool. That the, the, it's a cool class. Um, I really like the top three guys still. Like I, I, this is the one year where even now I think that it would go the same exact way, right? I, would, you t- would you take Zion? I still think Zion would go number one. I still think Ja would go two, and I still think RJ would go three. So, so you know, it's all good to go. Um, I'm excited for what RJ is going to do with a, with a point guard and hope, hope to God that Tibbs never asks him to bring up the ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got it. I, I agree with That's an interesting question. Oh, sorry, Alex. That's, I was just going to say, do you think anybody would take Clark over RJ? I was just going to throw that out there because mm-hmm. he's looked so good. Because I, I think he would move into the top five for sure. But Absolutely. If anyone who was, who was in that top area, didn't uh, I think the Pelicans may have used that one, right? Because they got that one from the Lakers. The Lakers were like, the yeah. F- so they probably would have gone with, um, they probably would have gone with Clark and taken him at that spot too. Yeah. Would take White over R.J. Barrett, never in a million years. I'm sorry? Not taking White over R.J. Barrett, though, ever. Oh, no, Brandon Clark, I said. Yeah, no, Brandon Clark. Saying, like, I know you mentioned White also in the beginning. Uh, he, he's having a compare. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, no, not him. Either. No, not him. Not him. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's a, he's a microwave, like, shooter, but not not in that range to be drafted quite yet. Um, but I agree with both of your guys' sentiments about R.J. Barrett. The voting doesn't really mean anything. Like, look, we have Malcolm Brogdon, who won Rookie of the Year, right? And everyone's just – that year, everyone was like, they wasn't even thinking about it. 
it only became big really when you had uh, Ben Simmons and Donovan Mitchell, you know, arguing, going back and forth, like who's a tr- is Ben Simmons truly a rookie? Cause he, this is his second year, even though he was injured and Donovan just like didn't have a full year of like NBA offseason to go play. So that's when it really started to get like this whole rookie of the year conversation started to be like really, I think prominent. Uh, but being eighth, I don't think like, I know like even I thought like probably RJ should be in like the top three, but then when I look at, when you look at the statistical numbers and everything else, like the points, the rebounds and the assists are there. The advanced analytics is just not there for RJ in all shooting categories. He is in the 20th percentile at most when it comes to, you know, finishing at the rim, shooting three pointers, any one of those things, it is, he's just not there. He's not efficient, but that's also not due as already chip said, it's the product of his environment. Like we did not give him shooters to really attack the lane, to play in the post and do all those things where he feels comfortable and just body smaller players. So like, you know, like one, like I know it's just like, this is just easy stuff for just like people to just like generate content and just like throw like, bringing clicks and generate like, you know, likes, whatever you want to call it. Um, and just create like commotion, you know, it's just like when ESPN just throws out like a Knicks piece, be like, ah, we need something to go here. Let's just generate Knicks for clicks. So it's really nothing to worry about for like RJ. I agree with both of you guys, but you know, get him a point guard, Alex. We need, can we get him a point guard? Yeah. I mean, he does need a point guard. Like Alfred Payton, like Alfred Payton was like good for him, but the issue was that Alfred one couldn't shoot. Randall couldn't shoot. Uh, I mean, Mook, when he was here, could shoot, but then like there was really no transition offense. Like that was like the slowest thing I ever saw in my life. And then you had Mo Harkless, who's like, meh. And then you yeah, couldn't shoot either in that starting lineup, not Mitch. Um, what? Oh, sorry. You, uh, sorry, I cut you off. You were cut off on my side. Who, who, uh, who, who's the. Who's the protagonist that put RJ at the one? Was it uh, was it a product of injuries or was it just like a changing up of the rotation? I think it was a product of the injuries because we didn't have Frank, right? Yeah. Frank didn't play right chip. And then who was it? We didn't have... Peyton was out. Peyton was out at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Okay. We tried Alonzo Trier too, but like the oh. problem with like RJ is that he he's... Poor Trier. Yeah. I know. Um, he <laughs> didn't... Trier, we all agree to that? What? Agree that Trier is going to be a monster probably on Miami next year. Okay, no, he's going to be with the. <laughs> he's going to be hanging out with uh, KD and Kyrie on that bench. But look, that was just a product of like Fisdale just like not wanting to start Frank and whoever. But you know, he hated Frank for some. He had some bizarre thing against Frank. He was weird and really did. I didn't even get it. But you know, that's that's it with the RJ Barrett stuff. Like. He got eighth. It's nothing to worry about. As Chip pointed out, Kemba Walker got 11th, and now look where Kemba Walker is. I think he's going to be a solid player. He's probably going to be a solid two. I think his ceiling is a two option. And then, if anything, he'll be like a good one. He will be needs to be a playmaker. He needs to improve on his handling. He needs to improve on his finishing. He needs to improve on his three-point shot. He needs to improve on a lot of things. He was a real, like so we got to give him some like – He needs to improve on everything. You just listed everything. Just <laughs> <laughs> Like legit, like that's just the legit truth. Like we saw, like with a lot of rookies, it's like rare to see a guy like Ja come in and Zion, like when they're on the court, just like dominating and just being that type of player. Like LeBron James is just like an anomaly. That's not like, yeah, that's not the that's not like sees like, you know, that's that's that that's yeah, not the majority. So yeah, but let's move on to the next topic. 
<laughs> let's get off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's talk the rumors now that was to us today, or not today, but brought to us this past weekend by Knicks Fan TV, uh, CP, doing great work over there. Brought up the, brought up. He he has a source saying that Mike Connolly is on the block and that Julius Randle is potentially part of that to Utah Jazz trade, and in return we would get Connolly with some draft picks. What, where, where do we stand with that? How do you guys feel? Do you think that's uh, something likely to happen? Where are we all, where are we all with this? Uh, Chip, let's start with you again. I love hearing that trading Julius Randle is the number one priority in the offseason. <laughs> uh, I have absolutely no idea why the Jazz would do this unless it was a purely financial move to get Conley's uh, $34 million player option off the books. I guess the owners are losing a ton of money. I have no idea. From a basketball perspective, Randall and Gobert on the floor at the same time makes absolutely no sense to me. But for the Knicks, yes, do this. Immediately do this. Do this today, tomorrow, the next day, forever. Do it immediately. And, I mean, for all the talk about how bad Mike Conley was, he uh, he averaged 14 points a game shot. 37.5% 37.5% from three. He had a pretty good year. You know, his numbers dipped from the year before, and he, he was hurt again because, you know, he's an older player, and he has, a history, he has an injury history, but you know, it's an expiring contract. And, you know, he, we'd be getting rid of Julius Randle, which is the most important thing. And, you know, if he works out and he bonds with Tibbs, bring him back. So, and, God, he'd be – would he be – I mean, I feel like he'd be the best point guard we've had since Stefan Marbury. Even what? What is he? 33, 34-year-old Mike Conley would be the best point guard since Stefan Marbury. I can't imagine we've had a better one. Yeah. He'd be is 30, there? And he'd definitely be like the next best thing yeah. since Stefan Marbury, for sure. Yeah. He'd have to be. Yeah. Uh, it's a no-brainer trade for us. I can't imagine why the Jazz would do it unless they really are that financially desperate. You, you know, I, I was hearing, uh, was it? Macri on his podcast on the Knicks Film School podcast, uh, they were talking about it, and they, him and Jeremy, were diving deep into it. And I think the thing that you know people may not see, and what a lot of teams are not like promoting out there, and they're trying to keep it like under wraps for you know their own like benefit to be able to trade and do whatever they can, is that a lot of these teams, especially small markets, are going to be hit financially. And Connolly's what? What is he going to have? Like a thirty? Was it thirty-eight million dollar contract? Is that it? Like uh, thirty-four. 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 Yeah. Okay. So thirty-four million dollar contract. We're talking about the cap going down next year. You know, if you swap the contract that with Randall, you're already starting to get them to like the one oh nine area. You start to get them like close to under the like around that cap, right? I feel like that's uh, I feel like that's the right number if, uh, if I'm correct. What... But someone. Uh, Someone double check on that. But even still, like when you swap those contracts out, we're talking about like close to like cutting the half of like what you're spending on Connolly and giving the Utah Jazz the flexibility to go sign someone else and go get somebody, right? So I think that's like, that's really like the main issue with it. And the Knicks, we're the team that can like take any bad contract and just like financially like hold it because Dolan's just got the bag. So I think that's the biggest like reason for Utah looking to trade Connolly, and you know, granted Connolly didn't like yes, granted Connolly had a good remainder of the season. That fit didn't work out in the beginning of the season. Who's to say that it's going to work again next season like it did in the latter half? Right? 
we were they were missing they were missing uh who is it they were missing um did they miss Bogdanovich they missed they missed Bogdanovich, Bogdanovich but then also they were missing uh, uh the who's the uh, who's the other guy um oh my god the uh, Australian dude uh oh Ingles Ingles played in the he, bubble was he there Ingles what? played in the bubble yeah yeah I what? I think he was out at the beginning of the year maybe no yeah. he- like threatening to not come in because uh, he has a he has a a child with special needs. So there was like talk about the. Problem. Oh yes, yeah, that's what it was. Okay, but you're right. Ingles was there, and so losing Bo- Boggy, it may have just opened up something for Connolly where he could just have like a little more scoring flexibility. But who knows what the who knows what the following season could mean for the Jazz, and also they wouldn't be able to really acquire any players with such a massive contract that Connolly has. What were you going to say though, John? I mean, don't you have to match the contracts anyway? I know that Conley has a weird early termination clause um, in his 2020 where it doesn't become uh, – where 22 million of it becomes fully guaranteed uh, if he plays 55 games. Yeah. Something like that. I know that that got messed up for the COVID, so I don't really know what's going on uh, with the contracts. But don't they have to match it anyway? How does this get it off the books for the Jazz? So – for the offseason, only during league year, winter cap is, I believe it's winter cap is in use during league year and you have like little left in the cap room because the Knicks are not going to be re-signing a lot of the players and Julius Randle, then you have more cap space and then you'll have more cap space when you don't resign anybody. So then you can just do an even swap because we'd have the cap space to do so. No, but I'm saying how does it save, but how does it save money for the Jazz? For the Jazz? Yeah, like they still have to get that. They still have to get that money back, regardless of what the Knicks are holding. I just, I agree with Chip, like in in his very his, his sentiments. Like it just sounds like a pipe dream. Like why, if the I, I get it, the Jazz are trying to cater to D Mitch and they want him to stay. I get, I totally get that they want him to sign the supermax and let's figure it out. So and maybe it's not working with Conley um, as it was like magnified in the playoffs when he wasn't there and they were killing it. You know what I mean? So they want to trade him out. He has a big contract. But, like, what is Randall going to do for you? Like, why would you – like, I get that the Knicks would take that contract and maybe not not many other teams are taking a $34 million Conley contract. But it's an expiring, number one. So I could I could see some teams enticed by it. Mm-hmm. And number two, like, what are they going to do with Randall? Like, what is Donovan Mitchell, Randall, and Gobert going to do for anybody? Like, if anything, it's going to make Mitchell leave faster. So, like, I don't I – don't, I, I, if you're asking me if you want Mike Conley, if I want Mike Conley on the Knicks, 100%. He's going to be the best point guard since Marbury. Probably better than Marbury for the Knicks because he's, like, going to be looking to dish it. Okay? Yeah. But, like, just don't – like, to me, I, I don't see the Jazz uh, going that route to give him to the Knicks for Randall. But I do see the Knicks as a potential uh, partner – for him, I just, it doesn't. That's too easy for me. Like draft picks and Conley for the only guy that we want to get rid of. Like this doesn't. Like for me, that do, that doesn't work. I know it sounds like. Uh, it doesn't sound like it's like it's too. Yeah, why would be true? They right? give us draft picks. They, yeah. Our player sucks. Their player's good. <laughs> I think, like it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I think I think the way that it works is that I think the way that they would work. They would give us a, uh, I don't know if it would be a protected or not, but they give us first round and we'd have to wait until the, I think they have one with the Grizzly Grizzlies. And that wouldn't, uh, that wouldn't like become realistic. Uh, I think until like 2022 around there. 
So then we'd get the next one, which would probably have to be 2024. So that for them, that's that's not anything that's not lost to them. But the way that they it's right. So for them, they're currently projected to be at 117. The league is projected to have the cap based on COVID to at 109. If you get rid of Randall, or if if they get rid of and take Randall, their space goes down to 101. But and we have space where we don't have to match it, so it could just be an even swap. And that's that's how that would work. Um, and they would want to do that one maybe if they want to sign Jordan Clarkson again on a, a longer deal and try to get somebody else. So that's that's where it looks. That's where for the Jazz that may become realistic for them. And for Conley, like if you're going to only have him for one more year, and it doesn't who knows what they want. Maybe they want to be in the Fred Van Fleet race because he's younger and he's more dynamic, and you can have him for a longer period of time. So why not try to pair him with Mitchell? So and they may want to use you know that extra space on him. Who knows? Um, that's that's my process for that. But yeah, what do you do? You guys think like that's realistic? Do you guys think that's like? I know, like, this is all like a pipe dream for like the Knicks, and it just kind of sounds like pie in the sky. Like, we're gonna get Connolly and not have to do with like anything like, yeah. you know. I, I mean, the other alternative broke last night is Chris Paul, right? So we got CP3. That's now looks like he's gonna be out of OKC and going to be like a legitimate yeah. too. Um, you know, I think that's kind of. I think I've been preaching that for a while, Chip. I was on your podcast and thinking that that's like yeah, Knicks could go after to help like room the next point guard. Um, you know, he, OKC didn't want to pay, doesn't want to have to go over the luxury tax. Doesn't want to have to have big contracts on the books. And that's what reported yesterday that they're looking to one rebuild and trying to keep their, their financials in check. You know, I know John's been with me too, like wanting CP three here, but Conway would be better because it's a shorter deal and a cheaper deal too for that. So what are we, what are we feeling about, Chris Paul, do you think that's do you think that's realistic? Do you think he's more like to go to the Bucks, the Sixers? Because we also have Donovan, who may go to the Sixers, and he might follow him there. And we also see that Giannis, the Bucks, got knocked out of the second round, and people are believing that he can go there and really cre- be that missing piece to help the Bucks take him to another level. Or there's New York, you know, because one, he's always wanted to be in New York. Two, New York could continue to pay him, and three, if he's on the end of his career and not thinking the aspirations or the Bucks or the Sixers don't want to take him, why not? I think Bucks and Sixers are more likely, particularly yeah. Bucks, because the Knicks, as much as the national media likes to clown us for being desperate for a point guard all the time, <laughs> the Bucks are pathetically desperate right now. Yeah. And the Sixers are too, but the Bucks are seriously desperate with Giannis's free agency coming up. And the Bucks. uh, Kevin O'Connor uh, wrote about it today, too. Uh, the Bucks can offer Eric Bledsoe. And I know Eric Bledsoe gets uh, shit on for his performance in the playoffs, but the Knicks don't have anybody on the team that can match Eric Bledsoe. Yeah. And they can offer, uh, I think KLC said, Dante DiVincenzo, too. George Hill, Brooke Lopez. They have a trade package that the Knicks can't match. So if Chris Paul agrees to go to Milwaukee and try and win a title with Giannis and Chris Middleton... Uh, which I think winning a championship is the most important thing to him right now. And uh, I was talking to Jeff about this, actually. And I said, unless Mello agrees to come to New York, there's no way Chris Paul is coming to New York without Mello. And I think Mello's happy in Portland. So I don't think that was BS when he was talking about how much he likes Portland and how much he likes the organization. 
because they took a shot on him. So I think Milwaukee is the most likely because just like Philly, they're desperate. And I think they have a better trade package than Philly. Jesus, Philly is screwed. I mean, what do they have to offer? They have nothing like Eric Bledsoe. Like their, their contracts are all terrible too. Why would OKC want Tobias Harris's contract? Yeah, I, you'd much rather have Bledsoe's contract. I think if you had to pick, I'd say Milwaukee is the most likely team that he ends up on if he approves it. And if I were him, I'd rather go to Milwaukee than Philly. Philly's a shit show. So you, you take Milwaukee right now. Are, are you telling me, Chip, that you wouldn't want Al Horford on that deal? <laughs> That's the thing. They'd probably try and convince him to uh, dump Al Horford's contract on Oklahoma City. And that's the other thing, too. You got Presti there. He smells blood in the water on those teams, too. He knows they're desperate. He's going to try and take, like, four picks from them. <laughs> oh, man. This is going to be fun to watch. Oh, <laughs> and, yeah. He's going to take, like, five unprotecteds from those teams. Yeah. And uh, his, uh, his draft stock went sky high in the playoffs. I mean, we all watched him basically – win games by himself it seemed like with like a bunch of like random guys it just seemed like it you know what i mean he's like mentoring Schroeder on the court in between free throws taking care of the timeouts himself i mean cp3 would be unbelievable for the knicks um he'd be unbelievable for them like in almost every category like pr wise which dolan loves he'd be fantastic he'd be great for tibbs and the new guys like communicating with the veterans and communicating with the young guys like Frank and Mitch and like te- and like Kevin Knox, you oh, know, just like t- telling them like what's good, like telling them like yo, like you don't have to do all that, like take it easy. This is how we're gonna play defense, and he's gonna scream at everybody like in in their face. You know what I mean? Like he's going to scream at his teammates, and he's gonna make them play defense. And if Kevin Knox doesn't go over the screen, he's gonna scream at him right in the middle of the court. You know what I mean? He's not gonna like wait. Which he needs so bad to happen to him, <laughs> so bad to happen to him. Yeah, so I mean, I, if if the Bucks want CP3, I, it's a way better fit. All right, I agree with you, and I think that Bledsoe is better than anything we are going to offer. Not anything we have, but anything that we like that we're going to put on the table. Bledsoe is probably better, but if CP3, I mean, if the, if the do you think that that's what the Bucks need? Like a point? Do you think a point guard would just like put them over the top? Because like, I think that I think like a point guard for the Knicks a veteran point guard for the Knicks would like completely change the trajectory of our franchise. Like, do you think that's the same with uh, the Bucks? I think that is the same with the Bucks. If I'm going to be completely honest, because you're relying on, I don't necessarily like Bledsoe's fine, but they don't have another guy who can create like their own shot efficiently like Chris Paul. And, you know, Chris Paul wouldn't be like a number one. He'd be the number two, and you bump Middleton to the number three. Middleton came like we saw Middleton struggle trying to create his own shot. Like you need a guy who like can reliably create their own shot. And Chris Paul on OKC was creating his own shot easily. Um, so I, that's why I think the Bucks were like they. You know, I got a piece dropping out this week, and I still think the point guard is like the important position. Regardless, like we have like positionless basketball, we rely on wings. You need to have a dude who can just like quarterback yeah seriously like look that's why the Knicks will also want Fred Van Vliet which you know that's another topic for another day but yeah, look look mm-hmm. for Kemba Walker you know Kyrie Irving we like, all these dudes who like maintain the rock and just know how to distribute to the right person 
Like that's still an important aspect. Even Kyle Lowry, like Kyle Lowry is also like that guy, like who can do, who can just manage it. Chris's guy over here. I mean, uh, Chip's guy over here. Uh, Kyle Lowry, that's his man. What's I the, love him. It's a problem though, man. There, the, uh, reports came out this week that Tibbs thinks that DSJ is D Rose. We're good to go. Yeah. <laughs> What's no. the problem? No. Stop. <laughs> you stop that right there. We'll have we'll have him going a wall again uh, without even knowing why he went a wall. A wall. All right. Let's let's. let's 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 not let's not bring Derrick Rose back. That was those were the emptiest points. Those are the emptiest eighteen points average I've ever seen in my life. It was just like I got eighteen points today. I'm like, but we lost. How did that happen? Um, yeah, I don't know. Chris Paul, I, it, it's a pipe dream for the Knicks. Um, I think if Milwaukee's serious, and as Chip already pointed out, like they got a better. Uh, trade package to offer. Like if they they'll gladly pledge so they'll gladly take, uh, you know anyone else than what we have because we would have to offer them Reggie Bullock and Kevin Knox. Like just give me Bledsoe <laughs> and call it a day. Yeah. Like uh, that. That's, that's have to be Randall. Yeah, Randall would have to be the guy to make them work. Yeah, and Bledsoe is a better player than Randall. So for sure, but you know. That's that's just I don't know. It's difficult. It's tough because the Knicks got a lot of like they have a lot of things to figure out. Just like this off season in general, like how are they gonna? What free agents are they gonna attract? What type? Like, are, should they make a trade for someone like CP3 or Mike Conley? And then we have the other issue that we just saw from uh, Daily Knicks this week, which is signing, re-signing uh, Mitchell Robinson. Like, how do we play that contract? You know, do we try to get? early side this year and offer him something in like the 50 million range for the next four years? Or do we wait until the following season to see if like he takes a level up this season or wait until he becomes an unrestricted free agent. And, you know, then we try to bid with everybody else and try to keep Mitchell Robinson and see what his market value is. What do you guys think is the safest, like, or like the, what do you guys think is the best way for the Knicks to handle this? Cause for me, I think, it's tough, but but I actually think you we should just keep him on a cheap deal and see what the market dictates for him, and then like go for him that way. Because the like unless you're offering him fifty six, like we don't need to pay him like so much for just like being an average like center role player, just shot blocker who always gets in foul trouble. Like he still too has a lot to develop develop in his own right. So that's why I'm leaning towards uh, waiting until the end of his contract, seeing what happens. What do you, what do you, what do you feel, John? Yeah, there's literally no reason to extend Mitch right now, especially, I mean, you, you have to, you have to, you have to deal with what you have on the books. Like we have already money into Joakim Noah. Okay. Like in the center position, if we, if we extend Mitchell Robinson right now, we have like an astronomical, uh, like pie of the salary cap dedicated to the center position. And we kind of don't have a starting center. You know what I mean? Like if we were like to extend Mitch and like, and Noah's playing in the playoffs right now with the Clippers, like what are we doing here? Um, I don't think that, and I was, I was kind of alluding to that with the Bucks Cause I, I, and you, like you guys answered that correctly. Um, and you think that that a point guard is going to change it for them. For us, a point guard is going to change it for us. Like a center is not going to move the needle at all. Even if we had, like the best center in the NBA on the Knicks right now, I don't think it would make a difference. Like if Jokic, right, is he the best center? Like if Jokic is on the Knicks right now, it wouldn't make it wouldn't make a difference for us because we need that 
the quarterback. We need the, someone who's going to penetrate and dish, someone who's going to play – just, like, play coach on, on the court, whether he's a rookie, whether he's, like, a young guy or a veteran. And I just don't think that Mitch is that guy. And, like, again, you were totally right, Alex. Like, three minutes into the game, Mitch is going to have three fouls. What are we doing? <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, he got better – Towards the end of the season, he was like averaging somewhere about like 2.5, 2.8 fouls instead of like three, three fouls a game, like during like the early part of the season, which was, it was nice. Like when he tweeted out like he needed to get better, he legit like got better. And that was good to see from just like an athlete and like a young guy who like takes basketball so seriously for how goofy he is. But he still needs to be better at passing. He needs to like extend, like have some sort of like mid range and like work just from being like three zero to four feet out from the rim. There's a lot that he needs to work on, which is why I'm okay with like waiting until 2021 and let's see what the market says about him. Let's see what let's see what other teams are willing to pay him because if he wants to be with us, one he'll be with us, and two, if anyone wants to compete with us, we'll throw him the bag. Like New York can easily throw him the bag. Chip, what do you think? You think are you you resign? Yeah. Him? Sooner, or would you wait at the end of his contract? No, I'd wait too. You're literally re- you're literally negotiating against yourself if you sign him now, and you, so much of his game is all potential right now. And you, we've seen stuff that makes us think like future defensive player of the year, future first team all defense. But like you guys have pointed out, all the fouling is really troubling. Yeah. Now we assume like. Okay, he's going to be coached by Tibbs. He's Tibbs is going to fix all that because he's Tibbs, but we haven't seen him be coached by Tibbs yet, so we don't know. I understand the idea of saying, all right, let's pay him whatever it would be, 12 to 15 million now, so we don't have to pay him 20 to 25 million later. Yeah. I, I get that idea, but what if he's never worth 20 to 25 million? <laughs> what if he never plays up to that level and it's just a waste? Like, and then you had the, the idea of, okay, eventually he becomes a $25 million player, like Rudy Gobert is. Okay, well, then you have a $25 million player. That's a, that's a pretty fucking good problem to have. <laughs> Sorry for cursing. I just, just put out, like, that's a, that's a good, like, the Utah Jazz are about to have that problem. Utah Jazz are about to decide what to do with Rudy Gobert. Are they going to pay him the Supermax? So, yeah, it's a, it's a problem. Yeah. He's the defensive player of the, like, reigning defensive player of the year. Like, and he was almost again this year you know what i mean and they're having that issue now now we're talking about a guy who can barely make it the full game without getting a disqualification yeah. for fouls you know what i yeah. mean yeah he has a long way he has a long way to go to be in rudy gobert long way to go to be in rudy gobert for sure which is like you know i, I know people w- love mitch and people want to like make sure that we keep mitch but we can still keep mitch it's not that it's i don't think it's going to be that difficult like w- look it's like we're talking about trading Mitch to Golden State for the second rounder. Like, that's not like that. That is like even like mind boggling to me. It's like if the Warriors wanted a center, they get so many options in the draft that they can just work on a project than just coming to us. And there's so many better options than asking for a center. You know, you can go get Bradley Beal and go still work with, uh, with, with anyone else. Just go sign anyone else. Like, it, it, is that like, the Chris Percy Einan? The Chris Persianen trade are you pitching right now? Chris Persianen, Mitch Robinson to the Warriors. <laughs> and, and, you know, like, I just, I just, like, it's, it's like, you know, 
we we should be considering trading Mitch. Mitch is not like completely untouchable. Like that's that's just the real part of it. Like if someone comes at saying like we got a better deal and can offer like and all we had off Mitch, by all means, like fine, let's let's look into it and let's try to make a deal. To say that the Warriors would want that, like they can go get Brad, they can try to go get Bradley Beal, they can go try to make a trade for anyone else that they need. And look, they got Kevon Looney, who's like been a solid center for them. Like Kevon Looney was actually playing really well last season when they were pay- when they were playing when they were getting to the playoffs. Right? He's not like he's no Joe Schmo's center. He, and he's like as we're seeing, there's not a lot of centers that you need to overpay and that you really need. So it's mostly the wings, it's mostly the guards. The center is becoming. You know, unless the center can shoot threes like Jokic and can pass, like that's the center you pay for. And even with the Nuggets, right? They're not even there yet as like a team with a solid center. They're still they still need a few more players and mostly playmaking wings. But you know, I, I just think I think when it comes to like looking at Mitch, we can just wait until the the end of his contract to really make a move because we have other free agents that we need to you know to focus on and chip. You've written so many articles for Hoops Hat on agents, whether it's invo- involving Joe Harris, Goran Dragic, um, Giles, Owundo, Davis Pertans. Like, you got everyone out here, man. You're, you're covering it all, and you're doing a great job doing it. You're really putting, everyone, you're putting everyone's name on notice. So, please, let's get into this. Who do you think Knicks? I'm just saying for you right now, like, and you can just categorize them. Like, let's say top five. Who do you think is your top five that the Knicks should try to go and take like a waiver on? Maybe sign like a long-term deal. Do you think Christian Wood is like one of those type of guys? Like, what are you feeling? Wow. Christian Wood. I, well, my top five, uh, my top five, definitely number one is Danilo Gallinari. He's the one I've done like the most work on. (laughs) guy i wanted to ask you about too that was like my favorite okay articles too like i think gallo's coming back but go ahead go ahead yeah okay no 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 i want to talk about gallo for sure yeah i I, because he is number one for sure and then look that number one in my heart for sure is wessa wundu from the magic but (laughs) i I want him on there wessa wessa wundu and harry giles i for sure want uh on this team but I don't know if I'd put them in my top five in terms of whether basketball, I think I would put Giles on there, but number two, I know it's not going to happen, but it would be so great if Goran Dragic were to come to the Knicks. Oh my God. Uh, I think it's even more unlikely now with the fact that they just smoked the Bucks. but uh, God, he would be such a great fit. Uh, Such a great fit. Drogic's been a good fit number th- for the Knicks, I think, for like 11 yeah. now. <laughs> like, like yeah, every- God, he would be awesome. Exactly. Every year, like that's how I feel. So He'd be awesome for us. A big injury, and then he'll be coming right to the Knicks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> injury, and then he comes right to the Knicks. That sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, and, God, I, I like uh, – you know, and we were just talking, we had uh, Nolan Jensen, who writes for Nets Daily on our show, and uh, he's talking about Joe Harris. Oh, my God. How I think Joe Harris would be, love, love. love Joe Harris, and I think Joe Harris would be great for us, and I really do. And I, God, he's, he's really is so much of what the Knicks need, and I know the Nets aren't going to let him walk, especially if they find out that the Knicks want him. There's no way they're going to let him go to the Knicks. 
But he would, again, like Dragic, would be perfect for us. And I know a lot of people are high on Christian Wood. And look, I, I did write about Christian Wood and some of his numbers. Like he's, look, I'm an analytics, Alex said before, in, in a very kind way, I'm an analytics nerd, big time. And some of Christian Wood's, and uh, some of Christian Wood's numbers are just absolutely insane. And I've, I, one thing I've learned when someone has, when someone's played like one season of great basketball or very good basketball, whatever, and they put up insane numbers like this, sometimes you need to look at it and be like, okay, let's, let's take a closer look at this and chill out and hope that they don't give him like a, a big contract. But then I, I watched some of the clips he had and man, he's really impressive. Like this guy can really play to the point where Detroit, I don't know why in the world they would let him go. Like he's, I mean, he's young, his, but his pick, I, when I wrote about, I wrote his pick and pop is just insane. Like he's, uh, he's fourth in points per possession in pick and pops. He's seventh in field goal percentage, second in score percentage. Uh, he's fifth in uh, shooting foul percentage. He's just one of the, he's one of the best pick and pop players in the league along with Gallinari. I think Gallinari is also top five in pick and pop players, but the Knicks need a guy like that who can play with Mitchell Robinson because they need shooters to play with Mitchell Robinson and RJ Barrett. Uh, but yeah, I think Wood would be great, but I, again, I p- would prefer Davis Bertans. Uh, I think Bertans was one of, if not the best shooters in the NBA this year, right up with Duncan Robinson. Yep. Uh, I think he would be great for us. And of course, I mean, everybody's most polarizing free agent target on Nick's Twitter. You got to talk about Fred Van Vliet. Ah. Fred Van Vliet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got to talk about Fred Van Vliet. I mean, it, I, I love Fred Van Vliet. I, there's, so, there's so much to love about him. And then you, God, it's just like, I, it, there's something about him. Like you, you look at the numbers and you're like, shit, his, his numbers at the rim, man, he could really, he could finish better. He's in like the 10th percentile finishing at the rim for combo guards. Yeah. He could finish better. He's a small dude. He's not, you know, he, I think he's close to just being flat, right? Isn't he? Yeah. 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 He struggles at the rim, but he's, he's aggressive. He doesn't, it doesn't stop him from driving to the rim. He drives to the rim aggressively all the time. But the fact that he shoots like well over 40% on catch and shoot threes, well over 45, 44% on wide open threes, he misses open shots. He's a really good catch and shoot three point shooter. I'm a, and look, he's a great defender. Led the league in deflections, top five in steals, and all this stuff about him being a system player and about him being only good because he played with Kyle Lowry. The team had the same efficiency differential when he was playing with Kyle Lowry when, as to when he didn't play with Kyle Lowry. That whole thing was disproven. And look, he's not a true point guard, so they can't sign him to play point guard. So <laughs> I, that's, I, I don't see that. But so I, guess, I... No, 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 go ahead. Oh, so I guess for like Fred VanVleet, right? And just to like... I like Fred, Fred VanVleet. My concern with him coming to the Knicks is one... He's not a point guard, and we're going to be expecting him to play point guard unless we draft a point guard. And I don't, and we don't know what the Knicks are going to do right now with the eighth pick. If they're going to trade back, trade up, because Lamelo's like it's out of the option. They're about to like trade like the eighth and a player and whoever try to move up to like some position and whatnot. And we're not sure. sure. 
happen. Um, but getting Fred VanVleet on this team, you know, and the article that I wrote is going to be dropping uh, tomorrow about Fred VanVleet. But the oh, nice, yeah. Uh, and my and where I, where I go with this is is pretty much this: is that the Knicks got to be caught. The Knicks got to be careful with Fred VanVleet. Uh, he's a, he's going to be a product of you know of a very low guard market. He's the only one. He's the top guard on the market, and so because you know, just simple economics, supply and demand. Uh, low supply but a high demand. So he's going to probably overpaid for what his actual like market value is, and that's when it comes to the Knicks because to bring him to a team that has literally nothing, like literally nothing, like he would be like he would be that guy. He would be the number one option because of like his talent, you know. I it just it just screams like not going to work out unless like we we fill out the roster very well. And we're going to be overpaying him, which, you know, he's going to want three to four years. It's either going to be more money for three years if we do, like, a team option, which I don't even see him accepting a team option. He might as well stay in Toronto and just secure whatever money he can. Or we can for four years, which is just even longer. And the question is, like, how tradable is his contract going to be? Is he going to look worse because he's playing with the Knicks because he's going to be a number one option, which is my other concern. We saw that with role like, as, as talented as he is – and he's not a system player. I totally agree. He still is a product of the Raptors. Like the Raptors, like they had Kawhi last year. You're talking about Pascal Siakam. You have Kyle OJ Ananobi. You have Norman Powell. You know, you throw uh, like last year, Van Vliet was probably the option, the third, probably the fourth option. Yeah, fourth option because he had Siakam and uh, Kawhi, right? This year he's the third option because you removed Kawhi and he's doing very well. But who knows like how high that ceiling is like, maybe he can be the guy that, you know, the anomaly and just be like that type of player. I like Fred Van Vliet. I'm just concerned about the amount of money that we'd have to pay him to come to the Knicks and then locking up and then trying to like, if we needed to trade him because he locks us up for that long, what, what does that mean for us? Yeah. It just seems like such a terrible contract, honestly, for the Knicks before we even sign it. And I, I know you're the analytics guy, Chip, but like, let's use the, Let's use the eye test for a second, the good old eye test. Like, when, when things get stagnant, right, like with the Raptors in the playoffs, like when they're, when they're guarding up on the point guard, he can't create. Like, he, he's not, he's not going to, like – he's not the speedster that's going to get past your guy. Like, yeah, he'll finish at the rim, but he's just not going to – he's not going to open up the floor for the whole team. He's just not. Like, he is that system guard in that respect. Like, when it's time to, like, get things rolling – like he is a system in transition. He's he's great. He can he could he's a free for all guy. Like he could penetrate in the half court, like off a rebound, like no problem. He can he can take care of the defense if they're not set. But I'm talking about in the playoffs. Like we're talking about a ridiculous contract for some guy who already is basically R.J. Barrett, right? Like he's he's R.J. Barrett's position where he's just, just like quasi guard that we that we don't want him to bring it up. And now we're gonna pay this guy, and him and R.J. can't play together. In my opinion, do you guys think they can? Yeah, I think he could. Why not? I think he could play with RJ. Absolutely. He'd be great for RJ. Okay. RJ moves to the three. So then I guess that would fit then. I guess that would work. I, the way I saw it was that it was just like two shooting guards almost, like kind of both looking for the same thing. In my opinion, it just didn't work. 
it just for me it doesn't work with Tibbs, man. Like I just, I just all I remember from Tibbs is when I see Chicago and I see them being stagnant on offense with the D Rose and with their guys that can score. You know, they had Butler, they had they had Rose, they had guys that could score. Boozer could score, you know, back then, and they couldn't do anything. And then he moves to Minnesota, and he has a bunch of guys who can play. He got Towns, he has guards, and he just. He just – he needs that guy who's going to create for the other team. And he just doesn't – he never had it, and he needs it. And I just don't think Van Fleet is going to – is able to, like, carry that huge burden on the shoulder by himself. Maybe uh, maybe it's just the way I see it because of – because Nick Nurse and the Raptors system and then Lowry. And this is really his first test that we're staring at right now, you know, Raptors Celtics with no Kawhi. And it's, it's a tough series, right? Like – what are we talking about? Marcus Smart and Wanamaker? Like, I, I don't – and Kemba. Like, those are the three that are, like, incredibly difficult for, you know, the, or Kyle Lowry and Van Fleet, like the two top point guards. You know what I mean? Huge contract. And they can't take down these three guys. Like, they might lose this series. Kemba Walker's really good. And Marcus Smart's first team all defense. I but they haven't lost this series yet. Yeah. I, I we're, mean, watching ga- we're watching game six right now. <laughs> and they're ahead right now. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, yeah, Cardiac Kemba is a beast. Um, but I don't know. If we're paying someone – like, if Chris Paul was on the court right now in this Raptors Celtics series, he would clearly be the best guard on, on the court. No questions asked. No. Wow. You know what I mean? It's just like – well, I, I, I mean, it's just like that's the kind of guy I want to have a max contract in. Like, when Van Fleet is on the floor right now, I'm not sure who the best guard on the floor is. You know what I mean, and that's why that's why I don't want to pay. I guess that's just my opinion. Like when I'm when I'm paying top dollar for a free agent to come in the building and run the show, I need him to run the show. <laughs> I don't think Van Vliet is just that guy. That's just how I see it. Well, if Fred Van Vliet's your best player, then you're not going to be a very good team. Yeah. If the Knicks if if the Knicks need to play if the Knicks need to pay twenty five million a year to get Fred Van Vliet, they're going to be out on him because. Uh, that's what he's gonna that, get. That's just the way it is. Yeah, that's, that's what, just the way it is. But he it. I think, and he's earned it from the Raptors. The only chance the Knicks have is if the Raptors say we're out, and he for some for some reason, uh, I think Jeff was trying to pit you guys on it when he came on about why he may want to come to New York. If for some reason he feels some sort of attraction to coming to New York, I have no idea why he would. But uh, if for some reason Leon Rose and Wes can sell him on New York, whatever. That's the only shot they have. That, but, yeah, it's, it's, look, it's a long shot. I, I just think he'd be really good for the Knicks. I, and in no way am I saying throw $100 million at the guy. I am not saying four years, $100 million. He's not that player. You don't want that kind of contract on you, especially when you're trying to hold on to salary cap room. For sure. Uh, and I, I, I agree with that sentiment right there, Chip, is that how much money do we have to spend on him to get him here. Like as soon as we start getting over 20 million a year, that's where like yeah. Knicks, the yeah. Knicks should just be like, we're out. Like we, we need, yeah. want you like, that's it. Like if we're in the range between like 15, 19 million, I'll, I'll bite, I'll bite and I'll take that because yeah. guess what? At some point you're start. you need to get good guys here to start holding something. And like, if you have Fred- everything can't be a one year deal. Everything can't be a one year. I agree. I agree with that. And like, if we get Van Vliet here and we start showing like, okay, we went from being like on a 31 pace last of the season to now being like on a 30 
to 40, right? Then it's like, okay, they're doing something there that's realistic. You get people, you know, but it, the other thing is like, you, you can't soak up so much of the cap space that we can't, you know, sign anybody else. And that's the fear with like Van Vliet. It's like, at what point, you know, everyone wants Van Vliet and one's like, we need him on this team, but it's like, how much is this market actually going to demand for him? Because he is legitimately the top guy. And I know, I, I know, like, I think uh, one of maybe your guys is uh, like DJ Augustine. I think he's like the next reasonable hop hmm. to be playing point guard, right? So the the difference between those two guys, it is a country mile of like what you're getting. And do you just take DJ Augustine for like a low deal for two, three years? Or do you, are you trying to get Van Vliet, you know? And like, it's over the plan. I'll gladly Jay Augustine for like the short interim than trying to pay him more. I have a question for both of you. Who is the starting point guard for the Knicks next year? That's a damn good question. <laughs> because like, you want to take that one first? <laughs> I think I, or is it someone new? Let's start there. What? Someone new or is it someone? Oh, new? oh it's someone new. For- oh, someone new. 100% someone new and if I'm going to have to guess it's probably going to be DJ Augustine I was going to say the same thing it's- oh god what just happened <laughs> I did not see that turning that way at all you didn't see DJ Augustine coming because uh, DJ Augustine is probably coming because one well one he has that relationship with uh, Tibbs with- and two, like he so understands Tibbs' system. He's a veteran guard. He's been playing for so long in the league. He's gonna be cost like he's gonna be cost friendly for the Knicks. Like let, let's just be real. And he has had the random big games that you can potentially get out of him, but that's 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 what you're gonna get. Chip, what, what you, I know you 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 we, we agree with DJ Augustine, but what do you have about the matter? <laughs> Look, I like DJ Augustine. He's he worries me a little bit, DJ, and I and I like him, and he worries me. This year, he was first in the league in dribbles per touch and seconds per touch. He loves to hold on to the ball. Ooh, ooh, <laughs> he's, he's very he's very deliberate. He's very very deliberate, and he's very slow, and that's going to frustrate a lot of Knicks fans, you know. But that's the reason he averages one point five turnovers per game for his entire career. He's only ever averaged two turnovers in his uh, one season. He only ever averaged two turnovers. Never turns the ball over. That's the reason why. But he's in, in like the top five for uh, dribbles per touch for like the last eight seasons straight. <laughs> it's crazy. He's constantly dribbling the ball all over the place. Uh, it's it's kind of, it gets, I mean, now since he's not on the Knicks and he's on the Magic, it's pretty funny to watch. But next year, it may not be so funny to watch if he's on the Knicks, but he's just very slow and deliberate. It's, it, he doesn't take a lot of shots, but it's, man, that, that part worries me. But I think the fact that he's a, the difference between him and Peyton dribbling so much, because Peyton was the same way, is DJ Augustine's a 38% three-point shooter. And he's consistently shoots 40 plus percent on catch and shoot threes every single year. So he can shoot and look, he's not a minus defender. He's not an elite defender or anything, but he's a Peyton's probably a better defender, but Augustine's not a minus defender and he can play 
at the same time as another guard because he can shoot. So you can put him out there with, I don't know, if you draft a point guard, you can put him out there with that guy. The other point guard would have to guard the two guard because Augustine probably can't guard him. But yeah, I think you can play him off ball. Yeah, he played a lot with Fultz this year. So any those were some good lineups for them. So I, I like Augustine. Uh, I think, like I said, I think he'll frustrate some Knicks fans a little bit, but he'll frustrate me a lot less than Alfred Payton did. I'll tell you that <laughs> because uh, he can actually make a jump shot. And again, he'll help RJ Barrett because RJ Barrett will be able to kick the ball out to him in the corner. So well, that'll be nice to have. Well, not only will uh, he probably, RJ will probably kick the ball out to him, DJ will probably pass the ball to him yeah. and not Randall. If yes, right. that too. That too. And we could probably, you know, because DJ Augustine, if he does come to the Knicks and he'll be in New York City, he could be like everyone else in New York City. You'll just see him leave MSG, just dribbling the ball up the street, going to the subway, just like practicing his dribble moves. That's probably Mm -hmm. just because he wants to dribble so much. (laughs) But I mean, I I could see DJ Augustine on the squad because he's a Tibbs guy. But if if you guys are sitting here right now, like five minutes ago, telling me we're going to get. Conley for 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 chips <laughs> the deli and then now you're telling me we're gonna start with DJ Augustine like I don't know what just happened. Well, <laughs> well, the thing is that one's a trade and we don't know if the Jazz really want to trade with us. <laughs> going to be a free agent and that's easy. <laughs> that's much easier to to see coming than trying to make a trade because it's the Knicks and yeah. We, when was the last time we saw the Knicks be, you know, I'll take, actually, I'll, I'm about to say, when was the last time we saw a successful trade fully through, but Mook was actually a successful trade. We got a first round pick. So I'll take that. Last two trades have been money in the bank for the Knicks. That's yeah. Cool. I got I to say, like, I got to say it's, it's true. It is very, very true. So, so I, I, I do not want D, like DJ Augustine. He's cool. He can hang, <laughs> but I, he cannot, he cannot start. Mm-hmm. Uh, he could start later, like by accident. Because like we got some injuries or some death problems, you know, but not game one. I, I to be honest with you, I, I I do believe that Tibbs actually likes Dennis Smith Jr. We really haven't talked about him at all. Um, he kind of gets like thrown under the bus. But guess what? Like the Knicks traded for him, and it was in that big KP deal, right? So they do have incentive for Dennis Smith Jr. to work optically, and I mean they did like him pre-draft so you guys think that he has a spot i mean i i know that the article i hope was being a little ridiculous when they were saying that tibbs thinks he could be the new d rose but like do you see dennis Mm. dennis smith jr like fitting in i mean it wasn't that long ago that he was a beast on nc state man he was carrying nc state a la john morant and murray state chip i'll let you answer this one ah that nc state team sucked though john morant's John Moran went to the NCAA tournament. So did <laughs> NC State didn't. Yeah, he did. I thought NC State sucked. No, DSJ made the tournament. He was the only one. Did he? Yeah, DSJ made the tournament. Did he? All right, we're we're doing a we're doing a quick check to make sure we're 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 right on this. <laughs> quick Google. Quick Google search. Us millennials over here trying to figure things out. Shit. Well. While, while, while we're looking that up, if we're going to be honest about this, <laughs> I, I see him being moved. I don't see him like, you know, if we're going, like if we're drafting a guard, if we're, if we're, if we're thinking that the Knicks are going to draft a guard, 
this season, right? Like why would they want to keep DSJ on this team? Like if we, if we got say like uh, a Killian Hayes or uh, if we got like a Carol Lewis or, you know, or a Cole Anthony, like why would we want to keep DSJ and try to groom him where, you know, if the Knicks are going to go for a guard, they're going to try to feature that guard to some extent, whether it's being with the second unit or in the starting unit and Tibbs, we saw it with Chris Dunn. That was just a lot of work. It was a lot of work for him, and he was not too thrilled with that. So he definitely wants a veteran that he can work with, which is why, you know, at the time I was saying CP3, but, you know, if DJ Augustine is going to be the option or Connolly or Chris Paul still, like whoever that option is, we're, we're going to need a veteran that can work with the first team because Tibbs, we know Tibbs is X's and O's heavy. He's very, like, he's very intricate with his play style. He wants to make sure that he that that point guard is his quarterback. That that's his connection. That is that is who he needs to work through. So I don't see DSJ being that second guy. You know, maybe they use him and try to get some trade value this season and trade him. Like maybe you won't see it before the beginning of the season, whenever that may be. But definitely, I see DSJ being moved, and I just don't know to what team he's. He may even be thrown into the package with. Randall or if Utah does it, who knows? I have no, like, I have no idea, but I just see, I just see DSJ getting moved. He would have to show, you'd have to really show out in this mini training camp that we have starting nine, uh, September 21st and show that, you know, I still got it. I can still play like, but I may, I lean on the side that he's probably gonna get traded. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm going to stand totally corrected on the, on the tournament. He didn't make the tournament, but he, he was, he was ACC rookie of the year. And he was in the ACC tournament, but he, they lost first round. I could have swore he was killing it there, but he, I guess he just had a good season. And he kind of is playing like he played in college for the Knicks, if, if, we're, if we're being honest with it, if we're like really going by his college stats. I mean, he, he's, he is who we thought he was, right? To quote uh, a little uh, football mm-hmm. <laughs> press conference. I mean, yeah. I, the th- like, so – you know, his issue coming out was being lax on defense. He's not really like a solid passer to some regard. Like he has his, he has his nights where he does make those like solid passes and he can get, he can get up there like past five assists, but he's not like a true, true playmaker that you want being the one he's more, he's more, he's a score first guard. Um, and I don't know if that's, you know, Tibbs has worked with score first guards like Nate Robinson, D Rose. So he could, he could try to like, reconcile like whatever we had with DSJ and try to get him back on path. But I don't know. I just don't see it. I think if like, you'd have to come in and really believe that he can fix DSJ like prior to this draft, like, because this draft, like we're going to be drafting, we're probably going to be drafting a guard, you know, at some point throughout the draft, because we got two first round picks, we're going to be drafting a guard and he like, he's got to be thinking that this is the guy he wants to work with. He has no investment really in DSJ. You know, if DSJ did well last year, I could see Tibbs being like, let's try, let's, let's try to get you right. But DSJ season last year was just, it was abysmal. Like, and that's putting it politely. And, you know, I, I just can't, I just can't see, I just can't, I just really can't see DSJ staying on the team, especially when you got like, and not saying like Frank is like the greatest thing, but Frank showed improvement and was more consistent than DSJ was this season. Right. So Frank, whoever else we had, uh, that, that's that's where I go. That's that's where I see it. 
Anyone else want to add anything more on uh, DSJ, John, Chip? Anything? No, I agree. I, I don't think Tibbs is going to give up on any of the young guys for a while, but I think eventually it, Frank seems more like a guy that he'll go with be, just because Frank is way more defensive-minded than DSJ and Tibbs is a defensive coach. But like you said, Tibbs is Tibbs has coached non-defensive players like Nate Robinson before, so I wouldn't count DSJ out completely yet if he shows Tibbs something. But uh, I think it's more likely he gets moved. I, I don't think it'll be soon, though, because his stock is so low right now. Yeah. Like, so low. He was terrible this year. It'd be that's foolish crazy. to move him right now. And, and that's why I say, like, I don't, like, I'll say, like, I don't see him being moved so quickly, like, before the start of the season. But they're probably going to try to raise his stock and try to get something for it. They him. should, yeah. They but- should. Unless they would, unless they throw him in a package with like Randall and someone's willing to take that or whoever to get like whatever another pick or you know whatever they can work out. That's the only way I see that. But yeah, let's go with uh, some more free agents before we we wrap this thing up. Uh, Chip, Wondu, your guy. What do Love you? Them. What, what do you got? What do you think? And I know guys. I let's touch on your guys that you want to see on the Knicks. The the guys you want to throw waivers on. So let's do it. I'm sure there's a big Wes Awundu following on this podcast. So let's talk Wes Awundu. Uh, <laughs> we're here to educate and create a big like community of like Knicks fans. Like, hey, look, we all know the flashy names. We all know Chris Paul. We all know Mike Connolly. Like, yes. Yeah, okay. That, that's normal. The, the, what's not normal is knowing, getting into the weeds of players that could actually help build a team, right? So let's talk Awundu. Let's talk Wes Awundu. Yeah. I lo- look. I'm totally biased. I'll admit that right now. I'm totally, I love Wes Awundu. I want Wes Awundu on the team. I think he will be great for us. Like he's uh, one of the, he's the restricted free agent. I'll say that first, but he, uh, I think he can be more of a playmaker than the Orlando Magic give him an opportunity to be. He averaged over uh, four assists per 40 minutes when he was, in college and he had the ball in his hands a lot more obviously than and he never has the ball in his hands when mm-hmm. he's in Orlando you know it's obviously it's always in Augustine's hands and when it's not it's in Fultz's hands which it should be obviously Fultz is excellent with the ball in his hands but uh, he never when he's in the fast break he does a great job particularly in the fast break when he uh, uh, when he's running the fast break in transition he particularly with Aaron Gordon they have a good chemistry but uh, what he's really good at when I wrote about teams shoot a lot worse from three point range when he's on the court. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's because he has a seven one wingspan and he just does a lot. He pesters teams and he's all over the place. And look, the one knock about him is going to be his three point shot. And he's always struggled. He's uh, 30%. For his career, I think, I want to say. Let me just double check that. But he's improved. He's shown improvement. He shot like 36% over a month or so. And he's had, yeah, he's 31.9% for his career. He was 34% this season. But the reason I think there's cause for like improvement, like he's a 79% free throw shooter. He's never going to be much of a scorer. 4.8 points for his career. You know, two and a half rebounds. 
He's always been in and out of the rotation in Orlando for whatever reason. The thing is, he's one of those guys, they always play better when he's on the court. They are always, and Orlando Magic fans are always talking about it too. Like they're always saying like, why isn't he on the court more? He had a positive net rating of 3.5 points per 100 possessions this year. Last year, he had a positive net rating too. It was just weird. He was just always in and out of the rotation. He's one of their, on a great defensive team, he was one of their better defenders. You know, it, it was weird. And obviously, for the most part, it was because he couldn't uh, stick threes. But even when he got towards the end of the year, when he was making his threes, they just took him out and they played like James Ennis after they traded for an older guy like James Ennis. It was just weird. But yeah, he's, look, I think he's not going to set the world on fire as like a starter or anything. But coming off the bench, I, he's a really versatile defender. And, and he's a hustle guy. Knicks fans are going to love him because he's all over the court all the time. And I, I, so, look, I want him on the team. So completely, I, I want him on the team big time. So We need those type of guys. We need guys who are ready to hustle and ready to contribute in that type of manner for the team. It, it's, you know, we, we didn't really have that much this past season like we were relying on. Uh, like our defense was good. Like we – it was good in the sense where it's like rebounding wise, but other than that, like we didn't defend the three. Well, we were good in the paint, but we need, we need guys who are ready to hustle, who are ready to like break out in transition and do, you know, make help make those type of plays. And it sounds like that's what you're talking about when it comes to a one do, do you think with his style, you think it was because how the way the magic were like formed with a lot of forwards, like they had just, it's kind of like a roster on the magic where there was like a lot of overlap and things, no one could really get uh, that much playing time. Do you think that was like a cause of the team? He's stuck in like a weird spot because obviously he's not going to get minutes over Aaron Gordon or Jonathan Isaac. But even when Isaac went down, you know, he still struggled to get minutes. You know? And they draft specifically one of their like main principles is they love drafting guys based on wingspan. You know, they love guys who are long, like they drafted – Jonathan Isaac, because uh, they drafted Mo Bamba, biggest wingspan in NBA history. They love that. And that's why they drafted Awundu. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, and again, like Awundu, Mo Bamba has struggled because he's raw to get into the games. And the, I think he really does not benefit from the fact that the Orlando Magic just, for some reason, refuse to admit that they're not any sort of contending team and they don't want to give their their players who need younger players who need run to make mistakes run like Mo Bamba can't get in the game, but it's, yeah, he needs a change of scenery, I think to uh, get some more consistent playing time, but I don't know. I, I really like him. And the te- like I said, the team already a great defense, but they play even better defensively. Their defensive numbers are even better when he's on the court. So that says a lot. And Look, he's never going to be a, a great three-point shooter, but I, I like him. And Knicks fans, like I said, are going to love him. And I hope he ends up on the team, but uh, I don't know. We'll see. It's uh, He's a restricted free agent, like I said, so Orlando can match any offer. But I'm not sure how high they're going to be on him. They also have Michael Carter-Williams as a free agent. They also have Augustine, obviously, we were talking about before. Mm-hmm. I don't know what... Uh, and and 
Fournier has a $19 million player option. So I don't know what their finances look like, how much money they want to pay based with Fournier. So, but we'll see. I don't know. I think he'd be a great pickup for us. So let's play this game then, right? Let's say if we're talking, Owundu is comes to the Knicks, right? However way, let's, let's forget how he gets gets here. What lineup would you say would work with him? Is he he's so he's a rotational piece. He's coming off the bench, playing the three, the four. Where where do you see? Do you see him like fitting next to like a Knox? Do you see him fitting next to like Frank Dot and all that type of guys? How is that supposed to work out? Is Knox making threes, or is he still the worst shooter and the worst player in the NBA next year? Does Hope. that? <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, he's making threes. Okay, coming with a shot. Okay. If, yeah, because <laughs> then if if Knox is at least league average, then yes, he can play with Knox. No, but man, him and Frank on the perimeter together, holy shit. Yeah, that'd be a hell of a <laughs> perimeter defense right there. That'd be nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think he can play. Look, I get look. Him and RJ and Mitch on the court together. That's three non-shooters at the same time. Yeah, it doesn't spell recipe for success, unfortunately. That spells Nick. You'd have to, you'd have to put, you'd obviously, you'd have to put two plus shooters on there with them. You can't not play them together, but you just have to put two plus shooters out there with them, two really good ones. Okay. So, and and a one do's not a dreadful shooter. It's just he's so streaky, so streaky, and not someone you can count on. But I don't know. I. You play those three guys together, yeah. You, but he's mostly going to be playing with bench units. So if Mitch does start, which we think he will, you probably wouldn't play with them. But I, well, I think he can play with RJ. And I think he'd help RJ too because then RJ wouldn't have to guard the other team's best player ever. Yeah, Owenda would guard the other team's best player. Best wing player, I mean. Especially on the perimeter. We saw that yeah. RJ had a little difficulty yeah. and getting around more agile guys. So if a one could help with aspect that'd be great. Um, I guess thing for a one right? So it's probably going to be Mitch in the starting. Backup center is TBD at this point. Uh, so you said Frank and a one would be great perimeter defense. Are you saying that Frank is playing the point at that point, and or are you just saying that like, well, like how is that working out? I love Frank. I really do. <laughs> but I don't know if I. I don't know if I see him as a point guard going forward. He's just not. He's oh God. I want him to be the. I want him to be a point guard. I do. You, you, you. You know the, what? <laughs> you and the Frank. Huh? I'm part. I'm part. You and the Frank hive, and I'm part of the Frank. Like, yeah. Like we want to see that. We want to see. We want to see the kid succeed. But there's also being like realistic too, right? He, right now, he's a role player. There's also realistic. And then it's just like he also He's not a starter. He's not a starter right now. No, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Not even not even Allen starter, where like you just know no. I threw him like a brick wall. Um But a backup rotation like with him and a one do in it, and then you put a, a shooter at the two and like a stretch big with them, and then whoever you got as your backup center you put there. I think that's a Really good. You can have a really good defensive rotation there. So I don't know. We'll see. And you, br- I mean, the backup big is Taj. You bring Taj off the bench and you put a stretch big next to Taj and you put a shooter at the two. 
you have a pretty good defense there. Yeah. So, and your second unit is just to be like, you, you know, they're either like eating up the other second unit by scoring or they're walking them down. That's usually how it comes. It's like very rarely. It's like something like totally in the middle, but it's usually like one of the two. What, what do you got to say, John? So I, you kind of touched on it, but I, he's a restricted free agent. And with Jonathan Isaac down, I just feel like he might end up staying on Orlando, especially when he has all these young guys. That does change things. That does change Orlando, Orlando's thinking. Yeah, I think before the Isaac injury, it was uh, more likely he was out. But now they may be more likely to keep him, given the fact that Isaac isn't going to play next year. But uh, we'll see. I, di- I don't think they're too high on him. It doesn't seem like. But, yeah, now that Isaac's not going to be back next year, we'll, I, I think they're going to lean towards keeping him. But Probably another shot, just that one year. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, he's still, he's still like, I don't know. <laughs> he's like 20. He just, he's 25 years old. He turns 26 in December. So, I don't know. They, he's coming, he's in his prime, whatever, coming into his prime. So I don't think he's going to be wanting to sign a short term deal yet, considering he hasn't like gone through any injuries or any stuff like that. But nah, we'll see. Yeah. I, I'm, bi- I'm biased. I can't, I can't say that Orlando, Orlando should, Orlando should, unequ- as much as I want him on the Knicks, I, if I were Orlando, there's no way I'd want to let him go. He, they should be, it's bringing him back, at it. yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I think too. So I, I, I was, I guess what I'm trying to get to is, it seems like he might not really be on the market as a free agent, especially um, the two guys. I mean, one guy you as your number one. I want you to hit on it is Gallo, which is super interesting because that's a Knicks guy. We were all so excited when he came, right? And then he sort of he was supposed to be mellow. Right, he was. That's like it was his ceiling. Um, he's he's that type of player, really. He's that wing type. Um, he's been like almost following him around, <laughs> you know, like the league, also like Denver and New York. Um, but I I, I, I want you, if you guys could just uh, touch on Gallo because I, I feel like he is a type of player that would fit in Tibbs's system minus the defense, like almost like just as like a defensive <laughs> shooter guy. So kind of just touch on that and also. Um, Alex uh, was kind of mentioning our void at backup center or starting center. Um, and Willie Cauley-Stein, to me, is such a perfect fit with the Kentucky CAA Knicks. I just I, – I just I, – I don't I don't see a better fit on the market or even as a trade block uh, backup defender to Robinson or 1A, 1B, honestly, to Robinson um, and Cauley-Stein. So do you guys have thoughts on those guys who I think are kind of the most realistic free agents with Augustine? I'll give you guys that uh, to come to the Knicks next year. Yeah, Chip. I mean, go on with uh, Gallo. I like Gallo as like, you know, he's a good, he's a good wing player. He can play a little power forward. Um, can stretch because he can shoot. He's dynamic. My concern like for him, like this is like probably the first time in a while he hasn't been injured that much during a regular season but what, what, what are your thoughts on him you're this is your guy yeah that's the that's the knock and and it's very well earned yeah no 11 seasons in the league he's played 70 games twice so the injury stuff is very well earned 
And, uh, you know, the last time he played 70 games was the 2012-2013 season. But, you know, he's extremely efficient, and I, I love that about him. And he's, you know, this year he had a career high in three-point attempt rate. He took seven three-pointers a game, and he still shot over 40%. Last year shot over 43%. His scoring, it's been ridiculous lately. Like... His, the fact that is he's playing, I'm not sure you can even argue it's the best basketball his career the last two years. I think it is. He had that year in Denver in 15-16 where he was really good, but he didn't shoot the ball like this. I think last year was probably the best year of his career. This year was almost equally as good, but the past two years, best years of his career. You need to be wary of the fact, of course, that it could be contract year syndrome. Yeah, and... Who knows what's going to happen? You know, he's, uh, he's 32 years old, just turned 32, so we don't know. And also, he, he was traded to uh, Miami and turned down that extension, so he's obviously going to be looking to get paid. There's no, uh, I mean, as much as I'd love to say, let's give him the J.J. Redick one-year $25 million contract that the Sixers gave, that's the one. I think when I wrote about Gallinari, I think I, I even said, let's throw that at him. I'm not sure that's likely. I'd love to do that, but I don't know. Uh, I think he's looking for multiple years. This is Gallo's last payday. He knows it. But he's one of the best pure shooters in the NBA. You know, 40, uh, career 38% three-point shooter, career 87% three-point shooter, 16 points per game for his career. God, he's just been really good. And yeah, he played with Chris Paul this year. I know that's... Some people are going to say, and Chris Paul makes everybody look better. But he just, he's always, and he's underrated in the post. He looked really good in the post this year. He wasn't, he wasn't just a three-point shooter this year. He, did, he played well from other areas on the court. He played well in the post. He played well in the mid-range. Obviously, most of his offense came from three-point. But look, he can do more than just shoot threes. I think it's important to note that about Gallo. He's more than just a shooter. And he's also, when you talk about his shooting, he's not just a spot-up shooter. He can shoot the three in transition, which is very important in today's NBA game. You know, we talked about Bertans briefly before. Bertans really good at that. Harris is really good at that. I think most of the good three-point shooters are good at that. And Gallinari's excellent at that. You know, he was really good at that with uh, OKC this year. And I think that's something like, God, the Knicks are bad and they're, have young players on it. They should be playing faster. We've, how long have we been saying the Knicks need to play faster? The oh. Knicks need to play faster. Yeah. With R.J. Barrett and Mitchell Robinson, the two most important players are young players. They should be playing faster. So I, I hope they get a guy who can play faster next year. And if they do, Gallinari's a guy who can get out and make threes in the open court. And I think that's one of the reasons that they should love having him on this team. And also, yeah, he's a CAA guy, Gallinari. So, and obviously the history with New York, he has reason to want to come back. Okay. It's all lining him to come back to, you know? Yeah. So he's played the, he's played great basketball and he's, it's all line. It's all lining up for him to, for him to come back (laughs) to where it all started. (laughs) I know. So like, I would be happy to have Gallo back. You, you talked about everything that, um, is important about uh, Gallo when 
like uh, just the important aspects of his game, right? Uh, but I think the thing that's going to like stick forward, like or stick out, I should say, with Gal is his three point shot because we didn't have any three shooting. We saw enough mid range. We saw enough like everyone working the post. Like we had that. We just didn't have anyone to stretch the floor. And so it's like when you've been deprived of something for so long, which is three point shooting for an NBA season, and not even fully an NBA season, sixty some odd games. Like yeah, that's what we wanted. That's that's what we're asking for at this point. So, please. <laughs> well, he can do it. He, I mean, he chucked seven of them a game this year. He can go out there and just chuck them. He'll do it. So, is yeah. he going to play defense? He's. I don't think he's as terrible a defender as people knock him for. I really don't think he is. Just based on the, I mean, I, I watched a bunch of Thunder games, like four or five Thunder games to when I wrote the article about him. And that was, that was just this year. I don't know how he looked with the Clippers last year. I, I don't think he looked as good as he did this year. I think he was more energized this year because he was playing with Chris Paul. And Chris Paul was like, if you don't play fucking defense, I'm going to scream at you every day. I think that's what it had to do. I think he played, I think he played pretty good def- defense it, comparatively. I don't think he's a plus defender, but uh, yeah, I look, he's, he is what he is. He's, you know, he's, uh, you're, you're not signing to Gallinari for his defense. You're signing him because he's going to score hopefully 18 to 19 points a game for you next year. And he's going to stretch the floor. Yeah. He's going to seriously help RJ Barrett. Yeah. He's really going to help RJ. And I think he'd be, look, there's a reason, like you guys said, there's a reason he's number one, uh, home run choice for us I really it'd be great and I I hope we haven't I don't think there's been any reports about us being interested in him yet is there I know Van Vliet's not there I don't think there's been anything about Gallo yet I think there's been like some lingering like stuff out there that Gallo may be coming back or that just could be all Nick's Twitter just like pumping it up that we want Gallo to come back but I would be happy to have Gallo back you know like he's in that range of like with three-point shooting, you know, Joe Harris would be like the the flamethrower that we have. And Joe Harris does a lot as a shooting guard, which I like Joe Harris for that for that for that reason. He could be a playmaker, good catch and shoot, uh, three-point shooter, just solid around the entire four. He can drive to the lane. Like he just he he keeps everyone on their toes. He keeps defenses honest. And I just love his it, it's kind of a reminiscent of like that. Or not necessarily reminiscent. It's just like it's kind of similar to like the way Clay Thompson works, right? Clay could just like work off ball and just just keep getting open and keep moving around, and that's what I like with shooting guards. And like the only issue with Joe Harris is that the Nets would definitely want to keep him just because there's no way you're going to tell KD, Kyrie, and now Steve Nash like, yeah, we're going to let our best three point shooter and our like our best mm. shooting guard just like go. That's like I, I would love to get Joe Harris on the Knicks, but that's just, at this point, it's become unrealistic because of uh, the net situation. Um, but you did bring up Davis Bertans. Uh, Davis Bertans, flamethrower. Like, can definitely stretch the floor. My issue with Bertans is that he's not really a good rebounder. His defense is meh, in my opinion. He's not a great defender. You think he's good? You think he's a good defender? Like, is that the face that you're giving me, Chip? Like, yeah, he's, I don't no, think... No, 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 no. I was, that was like a face of agreement. Yeah. <laughs> He's not much of anything besides a shooter. Yeah, and, and that's my issue with Bertans. Like everyone's like hyping up Bertans, and I like Bertans as a shooter. He'll definitely be a, a floor spacer. But my God, anything more than that, it's just like I don't want to. 
it's you're paying you're paying someone a lot of money just to do one thing. And if I want to pay someone a lot of money just to do one thing, like I don't know, like we could just just do something else. Like I know we need three point shooting, but I'd rather have like a well rounded player. And then I'm questioning like who's like like camouflaging like uh, his defensive uh, woes. You know, that's what that's how I feel about Bertans. Um, do you have anything like what do you what do you feel what do you guys feel about Bertans coming to the Knicks like because he's out there we heard that the Knicks are potentially like trying to go make a move for him I'm not really too thrilled about it like unless it's for the right price and it seems like he's going to be asking for like 15 plus mil and I'm just you know I think that's what I think that's what I saw rumored don't take it like don't don't take it as like you know I that's what I think I read if I read that correctly like I think he's going to be around there um I'm not I'm not feeling it. Yeah, no, yeah, none of these are tips, guys, man. None of these are tips, guys. Gallo, Bertans, like nobody here is playing defense. Nobody here is like going to be diving on the floor. Nobody here is waking up for practice. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, they just—they're not his guys. So they just like, yeah, they 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 seem fine on like a Knicks like open slate Knicks team like last year, like Fisdale's Knicks. Like, yeah, sure, all these guys would fit. Um, but they just don't fit with Tibbs, man. They don't fit with the new Knicks. I can't see them fitting with Woodson and Tibbs and the whole staff. Like, they just – I don't know. They they just don't seem like Kentucky guys. Like, I, you know, like that's the best way I can put it. <laughs> I hear you. And just to confirm, he currently his contract is for two years, 14.5, and he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. Uh, oh, no, sorry. Is it two years, 14 million in total? Yeah, yeah. Two years, fourteen million total. He's making seven, both years. Um, so he's looking to get double that, and he can easily double that because he's uh, a flamethrower from three. Um, I'm just not sold on someone like that. Fifteen. He's extremely one dimensional for sure. That's that's the worrying thing. And I mean, he made. I was just looking at his basketball reference. He made two hundred sixty-five field goals this year. 200 of them were threes. Yeah. So his career three-point attempt rate is uh, 0.743. So, I mean, he's a shooter and a shooter only. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like we talk about Gallinari's a pick-and-pop player. Gallinari can put the ball on the floor at least and do some things. This guy, I, I think he, would I just see, one point. Yeah. Uh, I mean, 1.7 assists per game for Bertans he averaged this year. And you were four point five rebounds. That's that's not great for a guy who's six <laughs> ten. That's not very good. <laughs> and I, I remember reading about him. Wizards fans not being very happy with that number too. So I mean, I wouldn't be happy. That's yeah. I wouldn't be happy. Yeah. If it's a six ten dude who's not even averaging more than five boards a game. Like, come on. Like, and like, like, just even watching play. Like, he's mobile. He can play out in transition. He can shoot. But, like, there has to be more than there than that. Like, I would just, just give me a good shooting guard at that point, and I'd rather watch the defensive woe of not being able to guard somebody. My four has to be able to, like, mm-hmm. you know, at least help protect the paint, and he's not necessarily doing that. Um, but Yeah, he's but definitely sh- a minus defender and would hurt Mitch, too. You're right. Mitch would have to do a lot. For sure. And so, Chip, let's get back to one more guy before we wrap up this free agent segment. Uh, Giles, Harry Giles, 
Giles, sorry. This is Harry Giles. I look, I'm a again biased. I'm a huge Duke fan, and I've been a fan of Harry Giles forever. So since he was in high school. And Harry Giles, the number one overall recruit. Yeah. Uh, I love Harry Giles and I, I'm just rooting for him. And I would love, I think he's just makes perfect sense for the Knicks. Just perfect, uh, low risk, potentially high reward signing for us. You know, he's right now, he's solely a mid range player. You know, he's two years in the league, uh, 97 percentile in a mid-range frequency and 99th percentile in mid-range frequency for big men. Um, Obviously, the injuries are a giant concern. Yeah, uh, Even at Duke, he appeared in uh, 26 games and only averaged uh, 11 and a half minutes. And uh, he's already missed over 120 or 100, 130, sorry, NBA games in less than three full seasons. And he missed his entire rookie season. So uh, the Kings kind of all but sealed his fate because they declined, they weirdly declined his club option. That was, I know Kings fans weren't very happy about that. We had a Kings guy in our pod. And I know he's like, Kings fans love him. Yeah. He's like Mr. Sacramento King. He's, Big time hustle guy. Like they, he's a huge off the bat. He's like, he actually said he's their Frank Nilakina. Like they love him on King's Twitter. That he's their guy. They really root for him. So, yeah. But I don't know. Harry Giles is easy to root for. So I, I'm not surprised by that. But yeah, he's one thing to note about Giles. He's great off the ball too. He cuts to the ball, cuts to the rim very well. Uh, he improved at the rim this year. He hasn't been. Uh, he hasn't finished very well at the rim. Uh, it didn't finish very well at the rim last year, but this year he was 81 of 111. He was 73% at the rim, uh, and he was 43% on long mid-range. But he, the thing I love about him most and the thing that differentiates him from Mitch is that he's just a great passer for a big man. He really, like, he's like a... Not ju- not a good passer, not like a okay passer, a great passer. Like two years in the league, he's been in the 86th percentile for big men for assist percentage both years. And like he's got some highlight real passes too. If you want, like look him up. He's got, especially to Bogdan Bogdanovich, he's got some great passes to him, like backdoor cuts. He's just, they run the offense through him a lot too. Like they pass, give it to him in the post and look, his time in Sacramento's done. They have Bagley. Now they have Rashawn Holmes there, too, who's ahead of him in the rotation. Death trial, whatever you want to say. And, yeah, and Bielitsa, I guess, is probably ahead of him, too. But, yeah, I think he's going to be available. And because of his injury history, he'll probably be available on a one-year deal. Uh, right now, he's solely a mid-range player. Um, I don't see that changing maybe ever. Uh, his free throw percentage improved dramatically this year to over 75%, uh, which leaves a little bit of hope open that maybe he could develop some sort of corner three, but I'm not any anywhere sure about that. I think he's only attempted one three-pointer in his career. But uh, for now, he's a mid-range guy, and uh, but 
I think it's just a per- like I said, the state the Knicks are in right now. I think he's a perfect low risk, high reward player. And if you hit on him, man, who knows what you could be getting? And if you miss on him, well, then look, you you took a shot on a guy who, like I said, was the number one high school recruit in the country. And I feel just give him a shot, like just give him some minutes. And man, if he, I'd like to see him healthy. You just want to see him healthy and see what he can do. If he's, you know, he's never, he's never really been healthy. You know, he averaged 13 and a half minutes last year, 14 minutes this year. I don't think he's ever played 30 minutes in a basketball game before, if I'm not mistaken. So it'd be nice to see him get a significant run. Yeah, I want to, I want to see him. I like him. That's no, everything you said like is great about Giles. And I'd like to see him in the Knicks just as, cause like, as you pointed out, you can just easily throw a waiver out on like, just try him out for a year or whatever on a short term or like a contract. And, you know, it'll be part of like, a, especially like, even if you put him for like a two, three year deal with a team option with very little money, like you can still add that like an asset to move just like as like, salary filler right so the Knicks should definitely try add like we can add more versatile bigs like that's that's what we need like Mitch is like he's good and athletic but he's not necessarily versatile because like we said earlier passing not there like stretching the floor not there at least with guys we can at least see like or I'm sorry Giles we can see like what he's doing just just like make, just like give them a shot. Like some players just need a shot in like another another area. Usually it doesn't work out in New York too well. Hey, I'm down to to give them that flyer. Uh, hopefully as well. But Chip, thank you. That is that's what we got for our Knicks portion uh, of this podcast. And now we're gonna move on to the etc. But first, a word from our sponsor. And we're back for the etc. Portion, John. What do we got for et cetera today? Well, for et cetera today, we're going to try to not talk about the Yankees losing 15 out of the last 20 games in a 60-game season and the fact that we're 500 after starting 16-6. and six. We're just going to completely bypass that and just think about Debbie Garcia's fantastic game that we don't know how it ended, but you do listening to it on Friday. And I'm just going to go out on a limb and say it ended fantastic. But wow. This is optimistic from you for the Yankees, and I feel like I'm the Will Ferrell uh, gif or jif, however you pronounce it out there, with the glass of wine, just like. (laughs) (laughs) Feel inside, man. That's how I feel inside with the Yankees. The only thing that's supposed to keep us sane throughout this whole, throughout sports season, right, being Knicks and Jets fans. Um, And they are stabbing us in the heart, especially after starting 16-6. and Um, they're just abysmal right now. Chip, do you have anything on the Yankees that you want to throw out there? Yeah, I mean, I'm not as big a Yankees fan as I am a Knicks fan. I love the Yankees, but I, God, it's shocking to see this, really. Like, I, I just thought that, you know, especially when they started out so hot, I just thought they, you know, I thought they'd win the division, especially with the Red Sox selling off Mookie Betts to the Dodgers. I thought, okay, they got the division. This is, you know, wake me up when the playoffs start. So, and now, like, now I hear, like, Cashman is having a meeting with the players. What is Brian Cashman doing talking to the players? Jesus, this must be bad if Cashman's talking to the players. Oh, my God. Oh, can you imagine what that – what was he going to say? What, guys, I am paying you all 
this money. <laughs> you guys got to win. You got to make Newark good. No, he's coming. No, he's coming in. He's just telling him to chill out. He's like, listen, chill out. Everything's okay. I know. I know it looks bad. I know. Like I know that the playoff. Everything looks like it's slipping. It's a short season, and honestly, they they are they they are playing like they're behind by fifty runs every game. Every play, they're just swinging at things. Like Cole is has no command. Our bullpen, which is supposed to be our strength, is absolute trash. So I think he's just going in there like everyone, calm down. Like, no, I believe it all you guys. Like, no one's, like, being shipped. No one, because they're, like, flipping the roster up and down. Every single day, it's in the Yankees media. It's who's going to play? Who should sit out? Who should be, Who should be? you know, sent to the alternate site? And, like, I think Cashman is like, yo, just chill out. Like, you know, this is like, like Miggy's there. Uh, Frazier's there. Garden's there. Talkman. Wade. Like, a bunch of guys who are not, you know, in the lineup. Glaber just came back. So I think he's just trying to like kind of keep it level-headed and, you know, maybe he just doesn't trust Aaron Boone to be that level-headed guy because, honestly, he hasn't really been uh, doing that like Joe Girardi, Joe Torre thing where he's like setting everything away. He's actually lighting the fires. Like with the Aaron Judge stuff, he like lit that fire by like lying to the media. He's, he's not really managing the bullpen too great. So the, the optimism is really coming from the talent and nothing else for me. Yeah. It's just uh, – I don't really have much to say on the Yankees personally just because it's just hard to even watch at this point just because this is the issue the Yankees have been having for like the past couple of years is that we're they're swinging at everything, like just going yard, like trying to go yard for everything, and there's not a lot of like – there's no short game. There's no like, oh, okay, let's just play slap baseball and just like get on base and just like try to work it. It's – no, let's just juice the ball up. Let's just juice like our guys up. All these guys look like professional bodybuilders now and just try to hit as far as you can because try to get the game, I guess, more interesting with more home runs, but it's not looking pretty man where there's no, as you said, just everything is just up in flames. That's how I feel as a Yankees fan. This was supposed to be the one good thing that we had and it's not. So (laughs) because it's not, I'm going to say that's done with that topic. And let's move on with the NBA bubble. All right. So, John, what do we got with the NBA bubble? <laughs> oh, man. I mean, right now you guys already know if we have a game seven uh, for the Raptors Celtics because we're sitting here right now watching game six. But I want to ask you guys what you've been thinking about this uh, Eastern Conference finals. I mean, we, we won't really touch on the Miami and Bucks series too much. Like that was just a route. OK, but let's let, let's let's focus on, you know, Raptors Celtics. Van Fleet, you know, our guy, he's playing. Kemba, is he the best player on the court? Doesn't look like it. Is he going to be able to put this series away? Like, is, is he going about to get done in six to the Celtics? Is he going to seven? Let me know what's happening, Chip. What do you think? I don't think he's getting put away. I think we're, as we're speaking, the Raptors are up 99-98 with four minutes left. Okay, Jalen Brown just scored. Fuck. Okay, <laughs> they just, the, the Celtics just went up one. Um, no, I look, I'm a big Kyle Lowry fan. I, I wouldn't count out the Raptors yet. And every time Stephen A. Smith says, uh, that the Raptors are done makes me believe more and more in the Raptors. So as long as that happens, I, I'm confident that the Raptors can win. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I look every line against Stephen A. Smith. Is that what you're trying to say? Yes. Yes. Everything he says is wrong. Every, every every single thing. 
<laughs> uh, no, Van Vliet definitely has not been the best player in the series. Look, Tatum is the best player in this series. But, uh, no, I think it's, it's impressive. The Raptors, you know, drop those first two games and come back down from 2-0. I didn't think they were going to win four games in a row, though. I think this will go to a game seven. I could risk looking like an idiot because by the time this comes out, this uh, series could be over. We don't know yet. But, uh, yeah, I think the Raptors will take this one. It's a hell of a game. God, they, the Raptors always make it interesting. No matter who they're playing against, it's never boring. The Raptors are a gritty team, and I think that's the most admirable thing next to the fact that Nick Nurse has literally groomed this team from the G League, from the 905 Raptors, all the way up to the Toronto Raptors, right? And, like, you see it with, like, Siakam, Van Vliet. Like, all these dudes are just, like, being prepared to play a good team basketball. And I'm with you, Chip. I, I wouldn't them out for this one uh i could see them pushing a game seven honestly like i just see the celtics winning this series just because they got dynamic i think they're the better team i think it's not i think the coaching is like like nick nurse is definitely the better coach in my opinion over brad stevens but it's close to being on par because you can't go against brad stevens he's a smart dude he's been able to maximize talent with Everyone that he's had, he's made Isaiah Thomas look like King of the Fourth. He's worked Marcus Morris to make him look like like a, a solid role player. He's worked with everyone so well. Even Jay Crowder when he was on the team, he's made all these like role players play above and beyond what their actual maybe contract is to some extent, and just like put them in positions to succeed. So, you know, I just see the Celtics like squeezing this one out just because Tatum took that next step and Jalen Brown took that next step as well. So those are my two reasons. And the wing play, as, as I think we may agree on, is that that is probably the number one key thing in NBA today. Good wings who can play, make, and score. And that's, that's just it. They got, both, they got two. Three, really, with Gordon Hayward once he, gets, once he comes back. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I still got the Kawhi Bowl. I still got Raptors, Clippers uh, in the chip. So... What do you guys uh what do you guys think of this and the Heat? Like who do you like whoever whether it's the Celtics or the Raptors, like what do you think that stands with the Heat? Do you think that whatever team comes out of this wins it? Or do you think the Heat are just waiting for them and, and they're gonna take it down? Do you think it's gonna go to seven? Where do you guys see it going? Jimmy Butler wants blood. All right. He mm-hmm. he's ready to kill somebody. That's what it looks like on the court, man. He's he is not afraid. He is playing some great basketball. That team is playing great basketball. Tyler Hero is looking good. We talked about him. Bam Adebayo is just, like, playing phenomenal. Like, that team is just really well-rounded, man. That's another good team. A great development. Can't go against them. Damn you, Pat Riley. Why would you have to leave the Knicks? Look, the, the Heat are just playing really well. The, the Heat are just – they're a good team, and you can't, you can't knock it. I think if – whoever they take, I think – that's going either – I think it's going seven, whoever they have to face. And they're – I think they win. I think they're going to the finals the way they've been playing. They just smoke them. You think the Heat are? Yeah, man. They just, I think if the Raptors beat the Celtics, they're going – But I think the Heat beat the Celtics. I just – like, you think the Raptors could take but out – I don't think the Raptors. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. The Raptors are not – Mentally weak. The Raptors aren't going to be intimidated by Jimmy Butler like the Heat, like the Bucks were. Oh, you know? I don't. So uh, they don't. They won't have that edge. 
I don't think they'll be intimidated. I just, it's not necessarily being intimidated. It's about the will to win. And Jimmy Butler has to do with the chip on his shoulder, man. He is, he is ready to go at it, man. He, he felt it. And Kyle Lowry, Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Viet literally have the chip. Yeah. So, I, and they, the reigning championship. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> but Jimmy Butler wants a piece, man. He wants that taste. He, I just, I don't know, man. They're playing some great basketball. They're playing, they're white hot right now. They're white hot and it's, it's crazy. I, I am 100% with Chip on this one. Um, if, if the Raptors win and beat the Celtics, the Raptors are going to beat the Heat. Uh, and if the Celtics win, I think that the Heat are going to win. Just because the, yeah. the the playing styles, that's just it. Kind of feels like that. Even though personally, I mean, I it would I have futures. The three Eastern Conference futures I took were Celtics, Raptors, Heat, and for for the same amount. So if the Heat win, it would be better, better more beneficial for me. But that is how I see it playing out uh, with those three teams. But switching it over to the West, what do you guys think about the King, man? The King and the late – it's really, it's really uh, LeBron, AD, some of playoff Rondo, and, and friends. What do, you, what do you guys think of the boys? Lakers look good, man. Look good? Oh, my goodness. Chip, are you – you think that too? Before I let Alex continue? <laughs> I mean, they bounce back. Yeah, you know, I thought – Houston looked great in that uh, that first game, and I thought, man, this this may finally be the year Houston does it. They may finally do it. There's, and then of course they did what Houston does in game two, <laughs> and they just couldn't close the deal. And I think it's more. I'm not. I don't want to take too much away because Anthony Davis has looked amazing. He really has. And playoff Rondo is a real thing, but it's really been more of just Westbrook and the Rockets shooting themselves in the foot. I think just as much as it has been how good the Lakers have played because man, Houston had a chance to put their foot on the throat after that first game and they looked so good and they just couldn't do it yet for, and they, they, they lost the series in my opinion is over now. I don't see LeBron blowing this lead. So I think it's over. Look, they look good good LeBron looks good AD looks the rest of the team is just meh but that was like that was the issue like coming in it's always been the case of like LeBron and AD having to lead this team and you know using their will to make it this far uh they're gonna go to the they're gonna go to the conference finals I think the Clippers are probably gonna be the team because of the depth they're gonna beat the Lakers there's just no way they can there's no way the Lakers can keep up with that the Clippers there's just no way they're like from like starters to bench, just like Clippers, just <laughs> they smoke them at all in all spots. And you know, Kawhi's not afraid of LeBron. Like he legit was the MVP and locked him down when he was on the Spurs. So like, what, what's that? Like, no, there's nothing to like worry about there. I think the Rockets, as Chip pointed out, and Chip has also guessed that this is the time that you know we had like the teams with the most to lose, and that was your on your pod for Hoops Addicts Anonymous, and yeah. you know. This is the issue with this team, man. Like, they they choke. They're the biggest choke artists. They're, they're the biggest choke artists. And, like, Westbrook is another one who's a choke artist. After KD, after Harden, all the – like, Harden left, KD and him, they're still 
they were still making runs. Once KD, like, yeah, cool. He got the triple-double. That's, that's, that's nice. But you know what? He hasn't made it out of the first round until now with Harden. Like, he got taken out by Dame last year. I forget uh, the year before that who took out the Thunder when it was just him and pretty much Steven Adams just, like, carrying what seemed to, like, just sticks around while they were playing. And I think Rockets. Wasn't it Harden? I think it was Harden. Was it Harden? I think you're right. Yeah, I think it was I think it was the Rockets when they played. But even still, like, like there was who who like there was really no one that I guess like 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 it still doesn't matter for like the Rockets. They're just like Harden has it like Harden's made it to the conference finals, but that's when it go it ends. And now he's playing LeBron. There's no way that LeBron's gonna let like Harden beat him. It's just that's just not possible because if if LeBron doesn't make it out of the second round. That's his legacy he's got to worry about. It's one thing if he makes it to the conference finals. It's a totally different thing if he loses in the second round. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing less aesthetically pleasing than watching the Rockets play basketball. It's like it hurts my soul watching them, except for P.J. Tucker. God, I love P.J. Tucker, and I really love the emergence of Eric Gordon. Like, Eric Gordon, he's been around the league forever, and he's always, like, uh, kind of just like, oh, yeah, whatever, just that guy who's going to show up and shoot almost like a J.R. Smith, Dion Waiters, like, in our head. But, man, he's been around for so long. Um, he was a defensive machine against LeBron for some reason <laughs> in game two. Um, I don't know. I, I, I have this thing where I, I, know the, I know the stats don't back me up. But I just feel like Russell Westbrook is the most overrated point guard slash player of, like, the modern era. Like, he, he's, like, he's put on this pedestal, and I think that he's the reason why. Um, like, he's the re- like if, if, the, if the Rockets let Harden have the ball in his hand instead of Westbrook more, I think they'd be better. And I feel like the Lakers, that's just what they're banking on. It's like the Houston's almost banking on like Rondo taking the ball up and like shooting or doing something silly. And the Lakers are waiting for Russell Westbrook to do the same thing. And it's almost like a waiting game. And then like LeBron's going to do well, right? And then AD's going to do well. Tucker's going to do well. Harden's going to do well. And it's sort of like up to the point guards to like who's going to mess up less. That's how I've been like watching this series. Well, they're treating him like Ben Simmons. They're like guarding him. They're not even going anywhere near him when he's shooting threes. And, I mean, he turned the ball over. He attempted seven threes. I think they said that was the most he's taken, like, as a rocket, or at least in the playoffs anyway. And he turned the ball over seven times. Jesus, that was a brutal game. That was. But, yeah, they're they're completely ignoring him on the three-point line, as they should. And I, I don't get that. Why not? When he's just wide open like that, I guess he takes it as such a sign of disrespect. He feels like he has to take the shot. Why not just dribble in a couple of times and shoot the open mid-range shot that you know you can make? Like, why not? <laughs> or just force them to come out at you and so you can pass. I. He just, it's, uh, that's who Russ is, I guess. I don't know. And that's why they're leaving him wide open because they know he's going to shoot it when he's wide open. And that's the smart defense. You know, you force him into the play you know he can't make because the play he can make, he's really good at, which is attacking the basket. So, damn. I mean, yeah, I never thought Russell Westbrook would be a, a minus in a yeah, series, but. It's tough. It's, it's tough. weird. Tough to watch. But, like, yeah. 
it's also like he's also a product of the team too at this point. Like the Rockets would rather him jack a three than drive because analytics. Nah, no, 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 that's not. I, I don't think so. Would they? I, I mean, they they traded Capella to open up the lane so he could attack. Yeah, but if he can't attack and they're like leaving him wide open for a three, you know what I mean? It's just like they would rather see him like. There, there's probably like some philosophy like, look, if you're wide open in the three, just take it because like if you do make it, hey. Good for us. Well, they'd rather him shoot it than than take an eighteen footer, I guess. Yeah, and that's. that's uh, I mean, well, no, I mean, uh, ah, shit. I, I mean, God, if he's bricking them, if he's bricking them like he's bricking them, then no, I'm sure they'd rather him take a, a mid range shot. If he's not going to make it, then yeah. But I don't know. It's the whole thing is it's just on. It just sucks to watch. But yeah. It really does suck to watch, but and then you have people on Twitter like, "Oh, he was like talking about how he was uh, never that good." Maybe, maybe he's just declined a little bit. Russell Westbrook, maybe he's maybe his his game was based on what an athletic freak he was, and now he's not so much of an athletic freak anymore. Maybe it's that. Yeah, let's 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 keep it real, and uh, and, and he because he he is good. I'm not taking that away from Russell. Is he efficient? Yeah. Is he the guy that I want with the with to take the last shot? No, but he is damn good. All right. He, he's 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 a great player. Like, definitely. He's probably he's probably going to be like he's probably going to a Hall of Famer. You know what I mean? Just because how easy it is to get into the Basketball Hall of Fame to begin with. But who knows? Bill Bradley's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. So Russell Westbrook should definitely be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah. That's and that's what I'm saying. But. Yeah, I guess I guess the last series. I know this has been a long and um, depth-worthy pod, uh, but I guess the last <laughs> the last uh, question is Denver and Clippers. What do you guys got? Is that going to be easy Clippers and then Clippers Lakers, or does anyone have a hot take there? Probably six and Clippers. Yeah, I think Denver gets another one too. So I'll say Clippers and six too. Denver's really talented. I think Murray goes off for another one. Yeah. yeah. And Clipper, I'll say Clippers in six. Yeah. And Clippers' defense is overrated. They get lit up, too. And I, I don't think it's as good as people think it is. But I'll say Clippers in six. I feel the same way. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, I guess, last question. Somebody give me the – somebody give me the – everyone give me their championship and, like, the matchup and the winner. Okay. Miami Heat. And LA Clippers, and it's going to be Miami Heat. Make it a real interesting for you guys. All right, what do you got, Chip? I got Lakers Raptors, and I'm going to say Lakers in seven. Oh, get, LeBron gets another one. Okay. Okay. I, I didn't give I didn't give my I didn't give the series number, but I think it will also go seven. Okay. Mm-hmm. I got the Kawhi Bowl, which is Clippers. Clippers, Raptors, and then Clippers in six. Okay. Yeah, 4-2. Nice and easy. All right. Uh, that wraps up, man. That wraps up our et cetera section and a hell of a Knicks pod with uh, a really uh, great guest in Chip. Yeah, Chip, thank you so much for coming on this pod. Really appreciate it. Uh, tell the listeners where they can find you. Sure, man. And, guys, thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Uh, and they can find me at Hoops Habit, just like you, man. And uh, just blog about the Knicks and 
Uh, Chip Murphy on Twitter at C H I P E R M U R P H Y. All right. And what, you're not going to plug the podcast too? You got two podcasts, man. Oh, Jesus. Got to plug the podcast. Totally forgot. Thank you. Uh, Hoops Addicts Anonymous podcast. I know uh, you guys had Jeff on. So uh, listen to that. And uh, Nick State of Mind podcast too, both for uh, ESMY. Check those out. Awesome. Well, Chip, like I said, thank you for coming out. Uh, everyone, please make sure to chip, check out Chip's work. He does some great work for Hoops Habit, does some great work for ESNI with both those podcasts. And hopefully you made it through two hours, uh, what seems to be two hours, <laughs> very dense Nick's podcast. Uh, that's <laughs> not, I guess, when we bring him on. But Chip, thank you again. Uh, Racy, sign us out and catch you on the flip side, everyone. Thanks, guys. Let's go, Nick's.